battle continues. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the 16th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside He Wets the Bed, Eric Marchin. Hold on. It's not a Pepsi, <laughs> but it'll do. How How's it going, you, man? I'm good. Oh, I'm good. Oh, we both did that yeah, at the same time. Uh, we've been off for a week, so we might be. Uh, no, I mean, I hope everyone had a good holiday. How was yours? It was good. I mean, it's one of those. It's that time of year where you get together with friends and family, and you know, it can be a little chaotic in terms of, you know, keeping things uh, civil sometimes. But overall, I mean, it's it's nice to kind of take a bit of a break and and relax a little bit. How about yourself? Good man. Um, yeah, it, it's. I love Christmas. I love spending time with my Christmas family during. Time. Yeah, I didn't watch Charlie Brown this year. I really effed up there. But um, no, I, I headed down to Oshawa. I saw you on Christmas Eve. You came over and we played some Super Smash Brothers and we played yep. some Jackbox Party Pack. And Kirby is my um, uh, spirit animal. Nice. Uh, yeah, you. Uh, you struggled a little bit, but you got your feet there at the end. It, it and is like, very chaotic. Yeah. When, like. Like that you many have people are playing. Because yeah. I was uh, half the time I was looking for my name key and not the yeah. character and seeing like if I was even still on like the platforms. Yeah, no, Smash Brothers is a blast, and we had a blast playing um, Jackbox as well. Yeah. And then uh, I'm a yeah. rap god. Yeah, you were. You killed it. Um, yeah, and then uh, hung out with family. You know, did the whole family thing. Uh, went and saw. We we have to do it twice because um, you do it with Nevis, and then my parents uh, yeah. are divorced, so I do the mum thing and the. Yeah. Dad thing on different days. Yeah. So usually I have uh, dad side, mom side now uh, with Nevis's parents as well. So those are the. Oh, so you have three now. <laughs> yeah, nice. but I skip my dad's side. So, um, yeah. And then, no, it's just it didn't work out this year. Um, it was uh, there's a lot going on, but yeah, it's it was it's been busy. I went to an engagement party yesterday. Um, up in Kitchener, so we drove up to Kitchener. We rented a an Austin Mini. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Nevis drive. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that was fun. Uh, exhausting though. Like I just feel like I'm I'm the type of guy who likes to um relax. You know, <laughs> take it easy. Uh, don't do anything. Sometimes you're a bit of a beach. Bum. So yeah. So uh, hint, hint hint. Uh. So yeah, I I like kind of doing nothing sometimes. So when I have uh, these periods where we have something every single day that we have to do. I um, uh, I need a break, and luckily um, Nevis is great with that, and I was able to chill. We watched the movies. Um, I convinced her to go see Holmes and Watson on Christmas Day, <laughs> so God bless her for that. Um, well, I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I I love the holidays. It's a great time. I mean, it's the I, I'm eating garbage this week, and that's fine. I'll get back to uh, eating healthy in the new year. But um, that'll be one of your resolutions. Yeah, but you've been exactly. doing really good. I mean, like you've been. I mean, we were even talking about it before the podcast. I mean, you've been cooking up those Beyond Burgers, oh, yeah, and sausages. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Yeah. They should be, but not a sponsor. Uh, yeah, you. I, I. I've been vegetarian slash trying to eat plant based for 
couple months now, I think one or two months and, uh, I'm enjoying it, dude. Like it's, uh, over the holidays, it was a bit tough, obviously with like everything. I'm still doing mostly vegetarian. There were certain things that had meat in it that I was just like, if you go to a potluck and like there's a lasagna there, I'm going to eat that lasagna. Yeah. And it's <laughs> no. not an ethical thing. It's no. so to do with just, health. Yeah. And, and just, I, uh, a lot just trying to cut down on meat consumption and just, um, and it, it has been helping me. I've been eating way more veggies and making me feel better, but that I still crush a bag of Sour Patch Kids and a Diet Cherry Coke <laughs> at the movies and shit like that. Or Nevis and I, when we went to see Holmes and Watson. At Landmark Cinemas uh, and Whitby, right? So, yeah, and Landmark. Shout out to Landmark. Gotta love gotta love them. The One of the best theaters in the GTA, I think. Um, Proper masking. Those seats. It's all great. Yeah. Um, There's sound depending on the theater you're in you yeah it a bleeds bit, a little yeah. bit there's not a great soundproofing and and some of the speakers probably need some work but um i'll take that over yeah <laughs> yeah and, uh, yeah those those seats are great. oh god um so there are not very many vegetarian options at landmark so i had a pretzel wrapped hot dog <laughs> so <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's not ethical. How much sodium like, do you think oh is God. in that? I just, there's, everything was closed because it was Christmas Day. So right. it was like this sad eating, uh, like this, we made it, it fun. We were watching Holmes and Watson and ate pretzel dogs. But, uh, yeah, man, I, f- I fucking love the holidays. It's great. You get to laze around at your parents' house and just kind of hang out with your family and see people that you haven't seen in a little while and spend time with people and your friends and family come over. Yeah. Uh, I always like going over to your place as well because it's a is, tradition yeah, now, right? Yeah. On, your, your, your mom and dad are so funny and nice and, yeah. and welcoming and you know seeing like your uncle as well and yeah everyone it, coming over on christmas yeah, Eve, yeah. It's, it's 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 a good time and and again like i think it's just that time of year where you know when you get together with those closest to you 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 understand you realize that you know it's there's more to life than just you know the nine to five what you're doing like it it, it puts everything in perspective it really does and i, I think it's a it's that perfect thing Thing right before the start of a new year right like we're gonna this episode we're gonna be talking about what our most anticipated films of 2019 and kind of what's coming next year um but yeah i think it sets a lot of that stuff into perspective for me just because like i uh again as you get older and you get commitments and you're in relationships and things it's harder and harder to see family and friends i feel like and, and it, just it's to just take like, a break right yeah a break from everything and again i've been uh I left my corporate job in July and I've been freelancing. So I've had more time than most people probably. Yeah. You're stop working um, for the man and now yeah. you're a flower child. You've grown exactly, your hair out yeah. now and you're eating, you know, yeah. uh, uh, healthier <laughs> and, 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 and as a, as a vegetarian, you're still watching a shit ton of movies and not really doing much else. But, um, yeah, man. So it just makes me go, Oh shit. Like I want to see my family more, see my friends more, um, and yeah. things like that. Breathing like that, I, uh, sweet Oshawa air. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if you get to me the landmark theaters more, uh, um, that's great. Um, but if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, each and every week, Eric and I kind of get together and shoot the shit and talk about movies and whatever the hell else we want to talk about, whether it's our, our Christmas breaks or uh, what food we've been eating. Uh, if you like this, um, we have another podcast we do called Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I, uh, mostly every week, if there are new releases, um, which every week has new releases, so there should be a new review every week, uh, we review uh, a new movie, whether it's on streaming services or new to theaters or upcoming to theaters uh those episodes are about 20 minutes and under uh if you like this show uh check out those bite-sized kind of uh reviews we do uh most recently we reviewed aquaman so if you want to go and see our thoughts on that that should be up on the untitled movie reviews right now um eric uh the break 
there's not much uh, work-wise that we've had to do. Um, no, which is, again, very nice to just, I mean, relax. although I don't consider what we do work. No, we have, no, it's the best thing in the world. But have you been watching much? What I, have you I been have, doing? I have, I have. I've been trying to squeeze in some stuff for the end of the year. I'm looking at my Letterbox <laughs> account now, which Letterbox is finally starting to work uh, again, they had some uh, system errors recently over the holidays. Over the holidays, so I'm looking at my uh, list. I rewatched Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and I think we've already talked quite a bit about that. It was a lot of fun, especially watching it with uh, my brother Kyle, who loved the movie. Uh, he's not the biggest Marvel fan, and he felt that it was a complete uh, game changer in in the genre. So you know when when it's working for people that aren't comic book people's people per se like you know that the movie is working on all yeah. s- firing on all cylinders um i'm just going through my diary now i rewatched holy motors um rewatched city on fire um finally caught up with monsters and men cuz uh, neon sent me the uh screener box set that they do every year cool. i thought it was okay it was it was interesting seeing john david washington um in a supporting role um, completely like with his head completely shaved, like it kind of threw me off for a second. Yeah. Um, because even with ballers, like he's got a, a full head of hair, and I gotta say that that like, I mean, people can say you know it's nepotism and it runs in the family, and that he's you know getting these jobs because of his dad. But I honestly think that he is going to be a big movie star uh, on his own uh, right in his own terms because. The quality of his performance in Black Klansman this year and Monsters and Men. I, I thought Monsters and Men was okay, but his performance in a supporting role was really strong. And, you know, it, it doesn't always come naturally. Like, you look at Colin Hanks versus Tom Hanks. Colin Hanks is fine as, like, a character actor, sure. but he doesn't have the same charisma um, as, that his is, as his father, where I think John David Washington has that kind of those mannerisms and that same uh, charismatic quality that Denzel has. But on top of that, he's bringing something new to the table. So it was just nice to see him, you know, uh, again in something else. Yeah, I was, uh, I was mild on... Uh, monsters and men but um yeah i'm with you pretty much yeah and then i uh, for like classic movies um i watched uh, billy wilder's the apartment uh which is i think one of the best studio rom-coms ever made it's kind of dark depressing but also very weirdly uh romantic and hopeful and i think both jack lemon and shirley mclean are fantastic in the movie the writing um even though it is of its time, is still somewhat contemporary in its themes and in ideas and sort of talking about and discussing suicide at that period. Um, again, it feels like something that you wouldn't really be talking about in in, in the you know late 1950s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, what about yourself? Um, so we didn't review it, but you and I went to see the mule and apologies if anyone was looking for that review, we might've mentioned it on, I our, think we did. Uh, uh, on our, uh, best of the year, uh, podcast we did a few weeks back, but we were so exhausted. I think that we, um, decided, uh, against doing a review for the mule because i think we neither of us had that much to say about it right no like, i mean it is interesting and just the the like i've been still thinking about it oddly and how yeah. like 
this movie is coming out at a time where everything is, it, you know, the world is becoming more politically correct. And seeing a film where, you know, your main character is anything but and he has no filter or just doesn't care because, I mean, the character. And it was the mid 2000s, right? In the mid 2000s. <laughs> well, also, he's, you know. And he's 90. 90. I mean, Eastwood himself is 88. Yeah. So it's like, you know, who who is he going to have to, uh, uh, you know, consult with in terms of being uh, okay politically correct like he can get away with that stuff it's like I think you mentioned it it's like your grandfather uh, yeah, saying something racist you're like, and you're you like grandpa know, yeah where you're like sort of laughing but not because it's funny but it's because more uncomfortable you're like, yes and you're just like you can't say that stuff and in that movie it just felt like there was a ton of that in there and it was just like didn't really feel necessary a lot of the times and, right and some of the um, other like even Eastwood like sometimes I felt like he was I, I was mentioning this to my brother when describing it um the the show Tim and Eric they would sometimes get people off of the street or people that they that aren't actors to be in scenes and act in scenes and you could tell like right away right. It didn't work for comedic purposes and I felt like sometimes Eastwood was so out of it that it felt like he was just like this newcomer like he just sure. wasn't he'd never acted before yeah. and then there are other moments that are like okay well now i know why eastwood made this movie because he gets to eat ice cream bars while driving, driving a car and, and having threesomes yeah. while taking <laughs> off his shirt and you're like it's <laughs> so uncomfortable <laughs> but like yeah it was it was something that's for sure um i did see holmes and watson on on christmas day another movie that i don't think we'll end up doing an official review for but um it's getting torn apart both uh, critically and at the box office. And there was a recent article that came out that's like, it's so bad, Netflix wouldn't even buy it. Because um, uh, Sony, I, I guess, tried to dump it onto Netflix. Um, I, you know what? I, I am a Will Ferrell apologist. I like mostly everything he does, even though he's playing the exact same character in every single movie, for the most part. Um, well, it's not even a character. It's just it's, basically Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, yeah, part. maybe, maybe, but it is a character that almost right. is just placed into different situations. Like I don't necessarily think that that's that's him. No, but that's I, especially his persona. with Ron Burgundy. Yeah, and it's his persona in films, right? And it's the same character placed into different characters, if that makes sense. Um, so or it, sports themes movie. Yeah, because there now, was that period yeah. where he was doing all sports films, right? And he almost made his way through every major sport, and now it's placing him in other situations, and it's a a parody of the the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes uh, movies, and and um, it's. I don't know what people were expecting, but I got exactly pretty much what I thought I was going to get out of it. Not a great movie. Um, I laughed a lot right. um, at some of the stupidity of it all. Um, don't get me wrong. For every joke it hits, there are two or three that do not hit. Um, but with a lot of Will Ferrell movies, I remember the first time I saw Anchorman and the first time I saw uh, the other guys, uh, I felt... Uh, similar in the way that i was like ah that wasn't very funny a lot of the times but then the more i watched them the funnier they got and Step Brothers as um, well. yeah right? Step Brothers as well and i i really like seeing him and john c Riley just interact like uh, talladega knights and stepbrothers are stupid but i love them don't you put and, that on me ricky bobby <laughs> and um this maybe isn't quite like if i was 
gonna rank them it would well, it's because it, it adam be, mckay is a better filmmaker yeah. than eden cohen who yeah. also did get hard which i don't hate either like i it, the thing is like even bad will ferrell movies i'm like they're to me maybe it's not like a go to this cinema to go see it like i didn't see get hard or the house in in theaters right because like it's I, a VOD kind i of know thing. what they are yeah i yeah. rent them for six dollars and i kind of either get stoned and watch them or just yeah. watch them sober and and either way it's just like they're dumb and uh it passes the time and i'm not saying that that's a ringing endorsement but that's a lot of the times that's all i need out of something like that and it's just shut your brain off watch something as dumb as possible and i like some of the more random uh moments more so maybe some than some of the crude or uh, toilet humor moments um i do like the the narrative of sherlock uh being considered a genius just because everyone else is also just like back then they didn't realize a lot of these techniques and things. So he's still an idiot, but he's determined a genius by everyone else because everyone else is also stupid. Right. It's like, um, um idiosyncrasy. Yeah, right? Where exactly. Like, the Luke Wilson yeah. character <laughs> he's the smartest smart person because alive. everybody else is, is so dumb. dumb. Yeah. And that's kind of what is what they're making fun of in this movie. And I think that's a, clever kind of way of perceiving Sherlock is that he actually wasn't a genius. He was just like lucky or a bit like he could figure like, I don't know. It's not lucky, but uh, just slightly smarter than everyone else. But he's also an idiot. Um, Or he just stumbles into things. And they do the same thing. Like there's this meta narrative too, even with the characters in Talladega Nights and um, Step Brothers, even with the relationship with, between Will Ferrell and John C. Riley always being the second, the, like the 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 partner, right? And I think with him being Watson and him always being like, "Oh, do you think I could be co-detective with you?" And he's like, like just making him feel like shit, just like he's shake and bake. He's like, "Hey, right. Ricky, do you think I could win one?" And he's like, "You win one, get out of here." <laughs> so like, I like that kind of stuff, and um, not a great movie, but I, I again, I'm yeah, not, if, I'm if not if afraid you're... to admit that I had fun with it. Right. Um, if you're going in expecting the seven percent solution, you're not going to get that. Yeah. But if you want a stupid kind of broad comedy with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley that have the you know the chemistry that you would want from them, then mm-hmm. that's what you're going to. And get. again, not everything hits. There's a great musical number I laughed at. Um, it's I don't know, like I for I think. 40% of the jokes land and sometimes that's all I need. Right. Um, Especially with this kind of movie, right? Like it's yeah. not supposed to be, you know, sharp-witted humor. No, it's, it's not at all. I mean, the yeah. premise is that Will Ferrell is playing Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. come on. I know. Uh, I also watched uh, the Die Hard trilogy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we we before we started the um, show, I, I showed you the alternate ending for Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is interesting, very yeah. interesting, very different than how it actually ends. Um, McLean says, <laughs> <laughs> uh, "Those uh, amazing, um, perfect uh, uh, holiday viewing." I think. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, especially the first two because um, they are set around Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, Die Hard's on Christmas Eve. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which celebrated its 30th anniversary this year or last year, anyway. They're just fantastic. Yeah. I think all of them are a blast. I. I have a soft spot for with a vengeance as well. Yeah, uh, and the... those first three make me sad now because Bruce Willis used to be so charismatic and yeah. likable, and now he's just this grumpy asshole. Like, yeah, <laughs> grumpy asshole. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna finish uh, four and unfortunately five <laughs> by the end of the year uh, tonight or tomorrow. You're gonna get your Jai um, Courtney on. Uh, God, I haven't watched that since that screening we went to, and I'm like afraid to watch it again, or yeah. I'll just fall asleep or something. But from the director of um, Max Payne, a oh. good day to die hard. 
Good lord. John Moore. Um, yeah, I, I think 1, 2, and 3 are spectacular still. Um, 2 is probably the least memorable of the three. Yeah. Um, but and, it's and it's also still, the one that's directed by Rennie Harlan yeah. where one and two were, uh, John McTiernan. Yeah. Before one he three. went to prison. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, one and three. Yeah. yeah. Before he went to prison. Okay. We won't mention that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, the second one, even at the airport, I still like each one feels different enough while still being the same movie that, um, yeah, uh, I really enjoy them. And there are cool um, people in those movies that had like bit parts that are now bigger actors. Like, John Leguizamo and Robert Patrick are in part two. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny seeing people like that pop up. And then also, like, I mean, he was known then, but, like, Franco Nero in, in that small right. role. Who yeah. was so badass looking yeah, as, yeah. as one of the villains. Yeah, Franco Nero's awesome. Uh, Nevis made uh, my family watch Trading Places on Christmas Eve. Uh, after everyone left, I think. That's what we watched. Was it Christmas Eve or was it? The day before. Maybe it was before. The day Christmas before. Eve, the yeah. Christmas Eve Eve. Um, Festivus. That's prob- Festivus. Oh, is it? Okay, Festivus. Uh, problematic. Um, a, a comedy of its time, so you right. can't really, I think... Um, well, it was discussed this year. Um, there were there were a couple people that were reevaluating it because specifically it, it uses blackface yeah. for a key comedic sequence. Um, and also, I think Jim... Belushi's in the same scene where he's like he he's putting a he's wearing a gorilla costume. Sure, um, but yeah, because this was this was John Landis post American Werewolf in London, and then he did this, um, and then also did the Eddie Murphy starring vehicle coming to America mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I uh, did not like it. Um, I, yeah, I don't really. I fell asleep. I think like halfway through. Um, and I, I do like remember. the scene where Dan Aykroyd's on the bus as Santa Claus and he's like all dirty and he's got the food in his beard. Sure. That it's been would, a while since I've seen that it. That would so. be something that you uh, enjoyed. I watched Robert Altman's The Player, which I thought was phenomenal. Now, um, now, what brought this on? Because this is not a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas movie. I was a bit inebriated uh sitting at home trying to figure out what i wanted to watch and the criterion channel popped up and uh the player came by and i read the description again and i remember watching the opening take in film school i wasn't sure if i had ever seen the whole thing so uh and i was like you know what like a inside hollywood kind of um more I guess intellectual entourage <laughs> right. type thing. Uh, ironically, Jeremy Piven's in this movie, but um, I I don't know. It just really in that moment I was like, oh shit, I want to watch the player. So I uh, I rented the player. Um, they didn't have it on Canopy. Weirdly, like they don't have all of the Criterion Collection on right. Canopy, only select things. So I rented it on iTunes and. Um, Fuck, man, it's great. It's really, 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 really good. That opening shot is still mind-blowing. Um, uh, I think it's uh, very funny and very clever. Um, and, yeah, I just enjoyed the hell out of it, man. And, and Altman just, I mean, he knows how to work with these huge ensemble casts. Right, and the amount of cameos even in the movie I think is impressive. And and how it just feels very authentic and 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 timeless too like it's a bit dated but everything because well, it's of the early 90s yeah, so you're getting certain references sure. of that moment or of that time but i i still think that uh it holds up to i guess present day hollywood and um the cameo with bruce willis and yeah. and uh um 
Julia Roberts, yes. right? Um, yeah. Is really funny. Which also there's a nod um, to that kind of in uh, Ocean's 12 as well. Right. And I just think it's a, a, a biting teardown of that industry a bit too. Um, well, like Richard E. Grant's and, character yeah. being like, I've got to make th- th- this movie, but I don't want any Hollywood actors. Yeah, and then and, how that ends up. Yeah, is, and then like the amazing. stuff with Vincent D'Onofrio going to the Bicycle Thieves. And, and you can tell that, that he's just like, he's like, I'm going to fucking tear apart Hollywood in yeah. this movie. And then and Whoopi like, Goldberg shows up. Yeah, as a cop. <laughs> yeah, it's great, man. It's it's phenomenal. He, you know what, like... like Again, like when when Altman was working with these sprawling ensemble casts and doing the overlapping dialogue, he was truly in his element. I look at this Nashville shortcuts as you know three movies where you could really just dive in and get lost in any one story or any one character and kind of follow along with them. And um, it's yeah, I'm I'm really happy you saw that because dude, it's, it's a great so film. good. It's it's shot right up there into one of my favorite things I've seen in a in a. A long, long time, and uh, again, you know me with my. Again, this was even the '90s, so it should have been in my bef- after 1989 right. uh, uh, film history. Uh, but it, I just remember studying it, and I don't. I'm like, I feel like I probably watched it, but it was at college. Like, was a even in film studies, I'm like, which movies did I watch? I'm like, did I half pay attention to them in class? And like, I don't know. So it was fun to sit down and actually sit down and watch it put my phone away and just and watch the whole thing um and i hope then, you watch more of his stuff too i'm going to so mccabe and mrs miller is playing at tiff in Ooh. uh on 35 oh yeah in uh, I'm, um in a couple months like in march or yeah. february the perfect um, snowy movie snowy I'm, western i can't wait to see that there so i'm gonna do that and then i want to watch uh i want to go back and watch a lot of his Popeye. stuff it's like oh fuck yeah popeye <laughs> God, I was so confused at that time because on iTunes they had the wrong date on it. So right. it said 2003. <laughs> I was like, it's what? like 1980. Yeah, I was like, no way. Yeah. I was like, this isn't real. And then I clicked. I'm like, oh, it's from the 80s or you told me. Um, then finally, I will just uh, – oh, actually, two more things and then we'll we'll get into our big topic. Um, I did watch a lot, I guess. I saw my first film in the Spielberg retrospective at Tiff Bell Lightbox. But was not directed by Spielberg. Richard Donner. Um, by Richard Donner, I saw the Goonies in thirty-five millimeter. Um, had a blast. It was uh, it, it was fantastic. I hadn't I haven't seen the Goonies since I was a kid. Probably uh, again, all of these movies I remember seeing at my like Aunt Karen's house with my cousins Melissa and Jessica and stuff like that. And I don't know why. I think I saw the Goonies there with them. Um, don't remember i know the main big things obviously right. but truffle shuffle and, and um, hey you guys yeah yeah all that um but i hadn't seen it from start to finish in a very long time so this was the perfect way to kind of uh see it again and it holds up very very well i think it's incredibly likable um incredibly enjoyable and uh looked great the print started out pretty rough but it kind of gave it like a uh, I don't know. It just looked cool with all the scratches and it was beaten up right. a little bit. But then as it went on, I think that was just because the, the beginning of the film reel was probably more worn out than everywhere else. Young but, Josh Brolin. Oh, he's a sexy man in this movie. <laughs> uh, his fucking crop sweater. And, and his like uh, bandana yeah, his and bandana. stuff like that. He's cool, And then man. Corey Feldman and Sean Ashton. Yeah. And I really love that score. Uh, the, the mythology of One-Eye Willie, which is every time I say that name i kind of giggle yeah yeah um it's yeah like it's one of those films as a kid that you 
if you grew up in the late 80s, early 90s and had it on VHS, you kind of always watched. And yeah, there are certain scenes that you always kind of remember, like the pirate ship scene or when they have to... Um, it's almost like a video game where they have to go through certain levels, um, like the one with the uh, the piano where they have to get the certain yeah, notes. Yeah, it's cool. To, it's really yeah. cool. Like, um, Yeah, man, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. I bumped into... Uh, our friend Anna Swanson, shout out to her. Um, she uh, recognized me and we watched the movie together, so that was fun. Uh, and then lastly, uh, before I wrap this up, uh, one that I do want to do a separate maybe spoiler cast for, so I won't go too, too deep into it, but I watched the Black Mirror interactive movie that was released on Netflix on the 28th called Bandersnatch. Uh, <laughs> people keep making jokes about Bird Box and Bandersnatch being the two big things on Netflix right now, um, and how they look sound like 18th century um, slang for private parts. <laughs> um, the genital era. Someone tweeted that. I'm sorry if I uh, I I gotta find who tweeted that, but it was very funny. Um, dude, I really enjoyed the hell out of this thing. I, again, I, I've played interactive games that are very similar to this. So, uh, David Cage is a, a video game director for, uh, uh, quantum dream, uh, who made games like beyond two souls and, um, uh, un- not until dawn until dawn is another interactive movie slash video game kind of thing, but they're all usually, video games created right. with digital characters and things like that. The choose um, your own adventure. Yeah, kind of. And so they made this into a movie on Netflix and um I was uh morbidly curious because I was like how the fuck is this going to work or like how is this going to feel smooth or seamless or um is it going to feel too janky in the way that, like, when you select something, is it going to, like, is load the Is it too much of a gimmick? Scene? Yeah. It is very gimmicky. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I don't think it's the future of movies or anything like that. I think Black Mirror is the perfect thing to do this with. And I think it's a great Black Mirror film. And especially if you dive really deep into it and uh, try to figure out how to get the most out of it. Because I feel like you can finish it very quickly. And depending on when you want to roll credits... You can just finish it, right? Right. But if you uh, dig a little bit deeper and continue to roll back the movie and go to different decisions and let that play into your narrative, I think you get more out of it and you find more of the overall story and what they were going for um, with it. Uh, it breaks the fourth wall. It's it's meta. It's... Um, uh, The way that you interact with it plays into the story, and I think each time that you uh, make a decision and either fail and get kind of what they consider a game over screen or you roll credits, like the the movie is is done, is not necessarily meaning the movie's done unless you want it to be done. Um, So ultimately, I, I went back and I went online to see what the endings were that you could get, and I think there's a, a bunch of possibilities of how you can get there, but I seem to have seen every ending in my watch through because I kept going back to different moments and rewinding, essentially, but then that also... It so gets you convoluted. Knew the end game, huh? I, I didn't even know going in, but I was like sitting there and I'm like, no, you know what? Whenever it says do you want to go back and make a different choice? I'm like, you know what? I will do that because I want to see how this plays out in that sense. And the movie takes that into account. So every time you go, 
you get game over essentially and there's a reference to pac-man in the movie that pac-man's trapped in this maze and he always tries to get out but when he goes out one door he appears again on the other side and he's trapped in this maze and it's a so hell it's kind of like, it's like, a, like a hellscape an infinity or something yeah like and that. and then he's like does pac-man care when he dies and comes back to life because he's going to keep doing it over and over again so that plays into the narrative which i so i understood that and instead of letting it roll credits and go this is where my story ends i go no this isn't where my story ends i'm going to try again and then the character realizes that you're doing this and that plays into the narrative so when you go and 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 redo scenes it flashes through them very quickly but then your character already knows what's going to happen and i hope i'm not spoiling too much but it that's sounds how, better than Mr. Payback. That's yeah. Um, that's how I played it. But then I was talking to our friend Mike Munts, and he told me the ending he got today, and he's like, "Oh, it was it. That like that's how it ended. Like I got the credits." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, but see, and you know, Netflix is tricky too. Where um, I watched it on my PlayStation Four. How tricky uh, are um, they? Uh, tricky. Well, do you know when you end an, uh, an episode or a movie on Netflix, it almost like goes into the next thing like in five seconds, and yeah. you almost have to like click on the credits if you actually want to watch the credits, or else it'll start the next thing, which I hate. But because I like to watch the credits, I think it's still part of the 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 show or the movie that I'm I'm watching for the most part, or at least like, to have that buffer of of it of it of, going, yeah. so you can have a moment decompress, to just decompress, like, yeah, yeah, yeah and, where instead and, it jumps into the next thing, especially with series, right? Yeah, where like they it, cut it'll... out the intro as well, yeah. so you're almost just watching this continuous fucking vomit of content. You're like, give me a you a need you time need to you need the buffer. Uh, uh, totally agree. So. It. I, before it ended, I made sure to like click and watch all the credits and depending on what ending you get, you can go back and, and I finally, uh, got to an ending where it rolled credits and I, it didn't give me the option to go back. So I assume that I saw everything it had to offer, at least in my playthrough, but there are certain things that I didn't even get to see that can happen in your story and things like that. And I just think it's like, there's almost like they said like 380 minutes of footage and I probably watched for two and a bit, like two hours and more, but the actual, they say it's like an hour and a half. If you just want to watch one storyline through, um, I think it's a fascinating experiment and I think it's uh, a really cool idea and really well executed the way that you make the choices. Like the screen kind of just, uh, crops itself a little bit and gives you the two choices at the bottom and then uncrops it and the movie just continues going right and it's it feels seamless and um but for those worried it's not going to take over the no. the narrative experience of a movie that is a beginning middle and no. end without any interaction no. it'll be again like again like there are choose your own adventure books that you can go out and get if you want um there'll be a few things here and there. I think it's a cool concept. I bet you it did extremely well for Netflix. And the way that Charlie Brooker and the um, the uh, Black Mirror crew handled it, I think is in the perfect way. And I think they went so meta with it that like, I don't know how you would just incorporate this into other things, but I could see them doing it for other horror movie type things that they or make. Or any omnibus like, yeah, like, series that you can kind of do a one-off. Yeah. And um, 
I, I I don't doubt that other people will want to try their hand at something like this, and and I'll I'll jump in. And again, it's it's weird to consider it a movie and and log it on Letterbox because my experience might be completely different than yours, or completely right. different than Mike's. or just logging them in general, um, not just this, but, but any Black Mirror episode. But this is technically movies? a movie, right? Because right. it is an an hour and a half. It's a feature. It's its own thing. Um, but are again, you log- what? But you're logging your version of it, right? The exactly. one that you saw, and then compared to somebody else, they're logging their, their version, version, which is slightly different and unique. And they might have only based- seen a part of it, where yeah. I saw more, right? And um, but I did think it was fascinating, and um, I thought it was really cool and really well executed. And the argument of if it's a game or a movie, I still think it's a a movie, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Again, yeah, not the future, but I think it's another. It, it makes sense to have some of these, and they're kind of fun, right? And I like the idea of talking with Mike or talking with you, and going, "Oh, what ending did you get? Or what, how was your story? How did it play out? Did this happen? Did you do this? Like, did you go back and change something, or did you just let it end?" Or, um, and that's what I like about some of these video games that uh, I'll play. Um. Uh, with Until Dawn, where you can have it's a horror movie, a slasher movie essentially, and you can uh, Rami Malek's in it, and uh, Kristen uh, Bell is in it as well. Um, I think Kristen Bell is it Kristen Bell, or is it someone else? I forget. Frozen. Not Kristen Bell. No, not Kristen Bell. I'll figure it out in a sec. Sorry, I don't. I'm not gonna look it up on my phone right now. But I'm blanking. But I played a bunch Mr. of these Robot games. Mr. Robot is in it. Yes, Rami Malek is in it. Um, and you can have everyone survive or you can have no one survive based on your choices in the game, right? And the I think optimistic that's optimistic versus the pessimistic. And I think that's really cool. And I think um that brings a different experience uh than we saw the exact same movie and arguing if it's good or bad or if you liked it or didn't like it, right? Now it's more so about what experience did you have more so than did you like it. And I don't think that's a good or bad thing. I just think it's different and um I think that's kind of cool. And it, it kind of brings video games to people that maybe wouldn't... Like, you're probably going to watch this at some point. But yeah. you, you wouldn't necessarily play a, a, a one of those video games, right? So it's... No. Um, I think Although that's kind of cool. I think cool. I did it as a kid. No, I don't get me wrong. Yeah. your own adventure kind of... And that plays into the narrative yeah. in this thing. And I think that's a really clever way of doing it. And they're Easter eggs and different things like that. Uh, based on Black Mirror stuff, but I've taken too much time uh, on that. It, uh, I, I think but... it's it's one of those. It, it's popular right now, and it's something of of note to, to to discuss. Yeah, I mean, even not just that, but I mean, you look at what's going on with you know filmmakers applying uh, their style to VR with you know Alejandro Gonzalez and Yuritsu and Terrence Malick. So there's always going to be an, an approach to filmmaking or uh, narrative storytelling to kind of challenge. Uh, the norm and, and kind of find something new to to bring into the uh, the psyche or the the, the mass media. It, it does make me wonder. I think somebody made a joke about it. It's like, well, why don't they bring back Smellovision? Because we have you know uh, the Forty X, yeah. uh, the Barco, which I think is coming back to the Scotia Bank. Some- so that's a weird one. So it's not. It's a different company now. And but it's like, basically the same it's thing. It's the right? same thing. Aquaman premiered at Queensway. Right. In this, um, so for those of you that don't know, Barco Escape was basically a wraparound screen, so like an ultra wide screen that kind of we saw Star Trek Beyond, Beyond. Yes. In Barco Escape. So now the company, the same uh, company that does the 4DX theaters, now have their own version of it. 
and they partnered with uh, Warner Brothers for Aquaman to do in this format. Uh, and cine- I don't know what I mean. A- anyways, um, they <laughs> uh, it was just they're like, oh, it's the first ever, and I'm like, it's not. You just called it something different now, and you're still. Yeah. So it's just interesting um, these different formats, and uh, but 4DX does have smells, so. It, there are smell, but it's not purely smell of vision. But right. there, there, there are smells in 4DX. This gimmicky stuff, when it comes to theatrical, I it's, think it's is, a way of trying to get the audience I know, it's, it, to, well, to try to make a to couple come, extra yeah. bucks, obviously, because it costs more, and to get people to come go, out, right? Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I don't think that's the problem, though. They don't realize this that like that's not necessarily what people want. They might go once. We've went once to 40X yeah. and then we'll Triple never X. we'll never go do the it again of probably, Cage. right? Like I contemplated going to see Spider-Verse in 40X cuz I think that would be But you actually want to watch that movie yeah. where like I can understand something like Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, is where a movie you don't, you don't have to follow along. Yeah. You don't yeah, you don't you you're essentially having the experience of just the experience itself. Like I don't know cuz you also tried to sit through Doctor Strange, right? Or well, I, ha- I, it was the first ever screening in the 4DX, and I went to the press event. So the first time I saw Doctor Strange, I saw it in a 4DX theater, which I was like, I would never suggest to go see a movie you actually want to see right. in 4DX. Same with this Barco thing. Like Star Trek Beyond was, it was sort of immersive and interesting, but like, but it also it, it also kind of became a bit of a headache after yeah. a while as well because it was, you know, like you would only get maybe one side of the screen coming up and then the other. Or, or it was just like certain scenes were in it and it was just very sporadic. And like IMAX, IMAX is my favorite theatrical format other than your normal properly masked, like 35 or digital or right. whatever. Um, if you want an all immersive experience, you either go IMAX to the Scotiabank Bank yeah. or you go to Cinesphere, which yeah. now is playing a lot of, uh, retro uh, yeah. titles and like you know the next year they just announced a whole list of uh, screenings that people can go to and, and IMAX is great the year. king of alternate formats and I think that's the only one we need yeah <laughs> like, if you want to go big go go with IMAX yeah you know? and like I'll give uh, I've heard the Dolby actually I've been to a Dolby cinema in the US before and they are very nice they're like our AVX theaters but properly <laughs> Um, uh, kind of controlled because yeah. Dolby has Atmos and Dolby Vision on those theaters, so they're kind of Dolby branded, and and Dolby is very proud of those cinemas, so they put a lot of effort into them. Right. What um, Cineplex should be putting the money into is uh the proper tech again, masking sound, sound yeah. um even seating and seating, and upgrading yeah. that. And Landmark kind of stuff. is the place that like I really feel like is. One of the best theaters, other than maybe they could upgrade their soundproofing and their sound in their theaters, but like if proper masking and great seating, I think is in sound is like the easiest thing that you need. And maybe we're purists or whatever when it comes to that stuff. But like even I talk to people who casually go to the movies and they don't care about like 4DX or even AVX. They're like, why is this more expensive? Well, even 3D. Like, Look at 3D now, yeah. right? Like 3D came and went so quickly like yeah you're still getting the options to go and see them but less and less now though. yeah but the novelty of when it came back with avatar was 
um, less than stellar or less than what they wanted. And, and it did feel like IMAX kind of ruled the day with that. Um, whether or not Avatar 2 kind of introduces something new to it. Well, I... the rumor is that it's glasses-free 3D. Right. But, like, uh, my thing is how is James Cameron going to convince cinema owners to, again, replace the technology that they have? He's going to have he, to pay for it himself. He, yeah, because he already convinced them to install all these fancy 3D theaters and that kind of bit them in the ass it took 10 years but like yeah it's finally that was the digital revolution right like we still had 35 millimeter projectors when avatar was being released in theaters and because of avatar being in 3d and being the biggest thing in, in the world because of that um every theater went digital right which purists like even people who are more purists than me and you, me and you have given over to the for digital to the, for the most part, at least in cinemas. Right, um, but I think the options should be available. I mean, Varsity will sometimes play um, film prints, a if, seventy mil. But 70 I, mil. I don't blame cinemas for going the digital route because, again, I, I, I think it's unrealistic to expect um, just film to have last. It lasted a very long time, and you have to understand that digital is more practical and just it does make a lot of sense to do it even if it, the quality is slightly different but as we're getting closer to 4k and and i think good directors know how to use digital in 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 the right way and even if they still shoot on film they can make a digital print still look filmic well, um, look at roma right uh, roma look at mission impossible even uh, fallout like i, I remember so, uh, when I was reading that 4K Blu-ray coming out, like um, uh, uh, people going, "Oh, it doesn't look it like it. It doesn't look as clear as it probably should." And yeah, or um, vice versa. I mean, look at the digital but, print of uh, uh, Dunkirk. Yeah, I mean, it looked really. Oh, it really looks great. great, but yeah. like it still has a filmic quality, right? Like yeah. there's still a grain on 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 Fallout that Macquarie said is intentional. Like he's like, you don't want it to be looking through. Like uh, you don't want every you uh, don't want to see every detail yeah. that's like in both still, the background and foreground. It still looks like a film, right? Yeah, there needs to be that kind. Yeah, of... Yeah, you don't want it to look like a soap opera or something yeah. where it's like it's and we've it's seen all clean in, and all in focus. And we've seen that in um, with Ang Lee's uh, Billy Lynn, and we've seen that in The Hobbit, and that's almost that kind of it breaks the fourth wall where you realize you're on a set or you're like it looked got that video quality to it that just doesn't yeah look well even good. in movies like darren aronofsky's the wrestler which they shot mostly uh digitally like you can see like you know see when when mickey works character is working at this grocery store when he's packing all these uh boxes away you can read the labels on the boxes and you're not supposed to when it comes yeah. to film right again there i think when done properly, a digital can look just as great as, as anything shot right. on film. Like we've seen, like look at what Roger Deakins has done. Um, oh, totally, like, totally. But 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 when everything is crystal clear and sharp, it just it, it takes that illusion away. Like you're oh god, saying. the Hobbit. You realize these are guys with makeup and costumes on running around. Yeah, on everything set. has like, this plastic yeah. quality to it. So you almost need that kind of layer um, on top, and we've lost that a bit, and we've just keep trying to find these different formats to kind of improve on that. I really think Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos are HDR and Dolby Atmos are, are, are fantastic. Um, and IMAX is, is my, one of my favorite things in the world. And I think they're doing a clever job of making that experience at least, 
um, slightly different than the one that you'll get at home, right? Whether it's the expanded aspect ratio that we've seen with a lot of films. And I remember that went back to Skyfall did that. And then you're starting to see it with Infinity War and, and Aquaman. And you're seeing expanded Transformers and, and, and lots of um, films have, have utilized that to make IMAX and those giant screens worthwhile. And I think that's really, really cool. But um, especially if you're not going to get the proper masking, you might as well expand the aspect ratio and that stuff to right. get that kind of thing, right? Because or else it's going to be in 239 and look terrible on an unmasked screen. And I think that's the biggest issue. Instead of fixing those small problems, we talk about that. We, people are probably like, you guys have talked about this over and over again. I don't even know how we got here, but... Um, we did. Surprise! Theatrical experience. I'm sure in 2019 we'll be talking about it even more as more people... Um, launch streaming services and, and theatrical windows get shorter and shorter like look which at, they already have like venom felt like it was on digital like yeah, a week it after it came October, out and then it came out december. digitally and uh mid-december physical media yeah mid-december it's crazy so i'm hoping i just want that spider-verse 4k as soon as possible too but um it's crazy crazy what this theatrical window keeps shrinking and different formats are being launched that people don't necessarily they're gimmicks, right? We yeah. talked about gimmicks. That's how we got here. I forgot gimmicks. Got there back. Gimmicks. All right, dude. Let's get into our uh, big topic of the week. Um, I want to talk about 2019 in film. Um, we worked a little bit before we went on air to kind of come up with a combined list of our top 19 uh, or our most our 19 most anticipated movies of 2019. Yes, collectively. Uh, collectively. Speaking. So yeah. we worked together. Uh, we put together the untitled uh, movie podcast uh, 19 most anticipated films which of is an eclectic mix of uh, studio blockbuster fair independent movies director based films uh, streaming services and uh, uh, middlebrow stuff as well so I think there's a little bit there for everybody and, and obviously um, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more after we've gone through the 19 but um, a big thank you to everybody that responded to uh, the tweet uh, that I sent out asking what uh, people were looking forward to in in 2019 that also very much helped with uh, a surveying what uh, was coming out in the next 12 months so uh, again uh, thank you to everybody who was involved with that and, and we will go through um, some of those lists uh, after we've done that Yes. So, do you want to kick it off and go through our? Yeah. So 19th? we're doing. So we're doing alphabetically. So this isn't, uh, you know, uh, you know, number one, our most anticipated to our least anticipated. This isn't one through nineteen. It's just alphabetical order of nineteen films that we collectively agreed on for one reason or another um, to be excited about in the calendar year of twenty nineteen. In the year two thousand. <laughs> We're close. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> no, not not even. Not even. We're I mean, far away from I mean, that. once we get to twenty twenty, we'll be talking about, you know, what were the, the, the best movies of the last ten years between twenty ten and twenty twenty. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, let's kick things off with you kick the it untitled off with the movie podcasts, nineteen most anticipated films of twenty nineteen. Nineteen, nineteen, nineteen. All right. Uh, you kick it off with the first yes. one. Yes. So the first one is James Gray's Ad Astra. Um, we're kind of mixed on James Gray so as, surprise. Uh, as a filmmaker. <laughs> um, but 
I actually do kind of like him as as a personality, yeah, especially same. you know him talking about how hard it is for someone who has made five or six films now at this point and has gotten a certain amount of of critical acclaim for some of his films but still has to kind of you know do the nine fight for for not just his vision but also just you know pay the rent and 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 you know like he's still having like you know his last movie the lost city of uh of zed was produced by brad pitt and yet you know he's still you know paying apartment bills and stuff like that and rent um so with this um, this was rumored to be released in 2018, but um, it's his kind of his first big studio movie since We Own the Night. Um, and what's different about this one is, out of any of his other work, is a science fiction film. And I think that's the thing that kind of drew us to this uh, movie about an explorer sure. who goes looking for his father, who's also autistic, played by Brad Pitt. Uh, his father is played by Tommy Lee Jones. And... We haven't seen anything yet on it. Um, he's taking his time in post-production. He says he doesn't want to rush anything. So whether or not the movie plays um, the festival circuit, maybe can, can yeah. um, is to be seen. But I think at least we'll get a movie that is completely his vision and will not be rushed by executives and that we we could have gotten this film um uh, in 2018 but i feel that you know with someone like brad pitt as a producer and uh starring in it was there to make sure that gray made the movie he wanted to make um and donald sutherland's in it as well so it's it's going to be um definitely an interesting movie um in terms of uh scale and scope and and how he'll portray um uh, space and time will be worth uh, checking out. And also, I mean, we should mention that Tiff is doing uh, uh, a retrospective oh, of his right. work. That is correct. So yeah. I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about it because he's going to be at a couple of the screenings for um, The Lost City of Zed and Little Odessa and We Own the Night and Two Lovers and stuff like that. So if you want to see some of his other movies and you're in the Toronto area, I believe it's, it's, it's yeah, it's January, the beginning yeah, of January. Yeah, I think January. it's starting next year. It's yeah. with their um, winter 2019 uh, lineup yeah i definitely yeah he's hit or miss for me as well um i actually got to see him speak at the new york film festival a couple with the years immigrant ago. yeah yes with the immigrant which i didn't uh care for all that much but um he seems like a, a a good dude and he was fascinating to listen to i almost liked listening to him more than i actually liked the movie i uh, still need to see lost city of uh of zed i i have it which um, you weirdly called i was reading one article um i can't remember where it was from but he kind of called it like a companion piece the idea that you know you can get lost in the middle of this you know uh amazonian uh rainforest and you can get lost the same way in the middle of nowhere in space you know like the idea of of that i definitely heard good things and i do want to see that uh we own the night is uh the one that I, I remember mildly enjoying when I saw it. It's kind of um, your typical police procedural. And I, I do remember thinking it was fine, but it also came off the heels of... Because it was the year after uh, The Departed. Yeah. It was 2007, and I was like... You, you had that as well, and then you had in 2008 Pride and Glory, which was the other cop movie with uh, Edward right. Norton and, and Colin Farrell. So it was kind of like everybody was trying to cache on the, the, the adult new, drama. Yeah, cop the film, cop yeah. film, the procedural. Um, Little Odessa was fine. I think my favorite film of his, besides more recently with 
uh, the Lost City of Zed is is two lovers with Joaquin Phoenix and Gwyneth Paltrow. It's this small romantic drama that goes to kind of some interesting places. And again, it's very low key. Um, it was just kind of ruined because that's when Joaquin Phoenix did his, you know, I, uh, I'm still here right, stunt. So yeah. it kind of was thrown under the uh, the bus for I his, so, his yeah. shtick. Right. Um, yeah, I, but I'm with you. I, I'm actually more excited for this than i thought i think the cast is great i mean yeah anything that has a a, an interesting weird sci-fi element to it um intrigues me so especially a filmmaker of his caliber too so even if i haven't loved his stuff before that um so yeah definitely i'm with you uh definitely makes our list uh next is uh one for me uh avengers endgame one that uh i think we had to put on here it's the uh culmination of 10 plus years of this marvel cinematic universe 10 years really um part two um you can call it after infinity war um the trailer just dropped a a few weeks ago um thought it did a great job of teasing the film without showing too much uh we don't really know much about it other than uh thanos is the villain again and and after the ending of infinity war how are they going to bring all those characters back tie up Um, all those loose ends yeah and and where it's going to put the marvel universe moving forward too right so uh who's going to stay who's leaving i think we're going to get a lot of those answers maybe by the end of this film and uh i mean this isn't spoiling anything but there are rumors of it playing into the quantum realm and some time travel stuff which uh is all shit that uh i i really really love like i and it's um, kind of what ant-man and the wasp basically was made for to kind (laughs) of set that up as a placeholder exactly exactly and almost like um with the almost like a post-credit tease in the trailer itself. I mean, like, that's really why the whole movie exists yeah. is to set that up yeah. for Endgame. <laughs> for that trailer, yeah. So yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm a huge Marvel fan and uh, I'm very, very excited for, for Endgame and just to see how they uh, tie everything up. Um, next. Yes, next is a film I think we're both very yes. excited about. Uh, and when, and I made the joke already, but when we review it, we're going to have to change... Uh, uh, the the podcast to the podcast with uh, Harmony Crin's uh, The Beach Bum. Here's another movie that um, you know a filmmaker of his artistic uh, stature took the time to make the movie he wanted to make. And and from all the rumors I've heard that you know the the movie that was written in the script is never what you get with Harmony Korin. Makes me even more excited uh, to see this film. It seems like this is. You know the the role Matthew McConaughey was born to play uh, as Moondog, and, uh, and this no this, this, this will be his Big Lebowski if if it's if it's as good. I, I don't know quality wise, um, but again, you know, having to wait for what Spring Breakers was 2013, I thought. No, was it 12? Because it played the festival the year before. I'm looking this up now, but you know, waiting 2012. So it played uh, the at TIFF the year before, and it 2011? was 2011. Yeah, what? The and hell? it was one of uh, A24's first uh, pickups. Yeah. Um. So waiting that long for um the follow-up. his follow up, and again, you know, it sounds like it incorporates some really interesting ideas where you have, you know, the kind of film noir, uh, novelist, pot smoking detective kind of story mixed with a kind of lunacy of. Uh, the psychedelics uh, that only Harmony Corinne can bring in. And I'm sure there's going to be some fun observational kind of weirdness to it. You have a cast that includes Zac Efron, Zac Efron Snoop Dogg. Of course, Snoop Dogg. 
<laughs> uh, Jonah Hill in a small cameo oh, yeah. role. Um, uh, Martin Lawrence is Captain Whack. <laughs> so, I mean, how can you not be excited for this? Yeah. And it opens in March. So I think March is going to be a really good month because you have this and another film that we'll be talking about a little bit later as a uh, teaser. As a teaser. Yeah. Um, yeah. And marijuana is legal in Canada now. So hip hip hooray. <laughs> so that podcast is going to be lit. tripping. It's going to be lit, bro. Um, no, I'm excited for uh, Beach Bum. I, I think... Uh, Spring Breakers was one of the most <laughs> magical experiences I've had at, at TIFF in a long time, just because I wasn't sure what to expect. And uh, I remember seeing, I, I remember standing in line, and this was when uh, the hot dog cinema was still yeah. playing uh, TIFF movies. Did we see that together? I yeah, don't. Right? Did we? Maybe. I was at that screening. Yeah, because I because I was at that screening, but I remember there were people there based on just being fans of Selena Gomez, and oh, they yeah. had never seen. Dude, I remember a seeing Harmony it again Curran in movie. theaters. When it was actually released, and it was the same thing. I saw it in Whippy, yeah. and it was so funny. It was filled with like young teen girls and stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be the best. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it's like none of these none of these young girls have seen Gummo or Julian Donkey like, Boy. Yeah, no, not no, no, no. To, but, like, but, judge them or anything. But, but, like, but you know, it's like you're, sometimes when you, you think of one thing and then you see right. what it is, where you know he's basically making almost like a mock Terrence Malick esque movie, but set in you know spring break florida yeah. and and um and again like i i love his weird sense of humor so uh we'll we'll see how this goes and yeah. and and i'm really hoping that we'll uh we'll be we'll be tripping uh speaking of selena gomez our uh next film on our list is the dead don't die by jim jarmusch yes no, there's not a lot. This yeah, is, I like, guess, another one that I kind of wanted to no, champion. I, and dude, I'm with you. I, yeah. I, 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 I loved Patterson. Um, well, and, and also speaking of Patterson, he's bringing back uh, Adam Driver in, in a lead role. Now, there's not a lot known about this other than it's supposed to be Jim Jarmusch's zombie movie and how that plays into it. We've seen him play with vampires. Vampires is the only lovers left alive, which is a great movie. I love that movie as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, again, it's going to be kind of eclectic and strange and you know who knows where what the tone is really going to be is it going to be horrific or is it going to be comedic or is it going to be something in between or maybe something we're not even thinking of um but you know you have people like chloe sevigny steve buscemi bill murray Murray, tilda swinton um rumors of daniel craig being in there somewhere so uh we'll see how that goes but it's it's one to be excited about because again you're never tom waits tom Tom waits oh my god (laughs) this movie's gonna kick ass um danny glover i think is in it as well isn't he and so that's an old man in the gun uh reunion yeah, right yeah, there yeah. and also for steve buscemi and chloe sevigny and lean on pete um so yeah I, landry jones <laughs> so and so i think it's going to be one of those films that uh will play to art house fans but maybe maybe it'll get some uh genre people in there as, as well to kind of enjoy and again uh, the humor of only lovers uh, left alive is is something that I hope great. he brings into yeah. it. Yeah, I I uh, really really enjoyed uh, his last couple movies, so I'm excited <laughs> Hermit for Bob. this. Herman Bob, man. Uh, God, I love Tom Waits. Yeah, I'm 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 hella excited for that too. Uh, next, oh next, so our next film I think is the one that most people have on their uh, their number one or at least in their top five. It, it's the film that. Um, we've been waiting for 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 years now and and it's the film that's bringing the gang back together it's martin scorsese's the irishman which is based on the novel Dun-dun. 
<laughs> which is which that's interesting in itself. You know, you have a, a a Puritan filmmaker who wants you to see his work on the big screen making Money talks, man. Uh, a Netflix movie. Well, it does. I mean, the, the, the whole conversation right now, narratively speaking, has been how much money Netflix has sunk in to making The Irishman with talking about, you know, uh, a very long post-production process with de-aging De Niro, yeah. um, who stars as the the lead hitman who the was... Titular to, the Irishman. titular Irishman. Uh, who, who in the, the book is called um, I Heard You Paint Houses. Um, and so it's sort of his uh, career, one of which he, uh, the character he's playing or the, the real-life person he's playing was rumored to kill uh, Jimmy Hoffa, who's played by... Al Pacino. Um, so this is the first time Pacino's worked with Scorsese, but Scorsese got uh, Harvey Keitel, um, brought back Joe Pesci out of retirement, um, Ray Romano, That's Bobby why I'm my Home Alone shirt. Uh, yeah, um, and and a cast of, of of many many more. Anna Paquin, Jesse Plemons. Um, this thing is going to be epic in scale. And again, like it'll be interesting to see how Scorsese works with. Um, post-production visual effects it's almost that same curiosity that i think a lot of people had with hugo when he made that where it was like oh can scorsese do a kids movie without anybody being you know shot in the shot face or, or, or swearing you know like it's it's one of those things but at the same time i think this is going to be probably released in november december whether or not it plays any of the festivals maybe it'll be new york um in in october probably um i think it's going to be one of the the event film of the year that everybody will be talking about and most anticipating and yeah i can't see why not and i think netflix had a good test run this year with roma and a lot of their kind of um end of year films for their theatrical distribution right i mean it's been interesting i mean i'm with you i, I agree with everything you just said about irishman i think it's up there i mean it's in, in in this nineteen we made, it's got to be near the top of the things that we just if not number one, yeah. If there we, were a number one yeah, on that, our list that we just can't wait for. Um, but yeah, man, it's fascinating that it's on Netflix, but it gives him the freedom and the budget to do kind of what he wants with this. And um, I hope it gets a. I could see it getting a, a fairly significant theatrical re- release, much like Roma, where a, f- a couple weeks at least in cinemas, and it'll be mostly independent cinemas or probably tiff belt light box here in toronto which is fantastic news right um and yeah i i i just i can't wait it's a again like it's it's a the greatest hits of scorsese all like coming into one gigantic project with his highest budget ever and yeah it's his version of the avengers right like he's bringing all these amazing italian american actors (laughs) together to you know star in this one giant uh, ensemble that again like you know him getting joe pesci out of retirement is incredible yeah it's crazy <laughs> so i cannot wait for that man i can't wait can't wait to see it on the big screen too so i'm yeah glad, i'm glad they figured that shit out to uh because i need to see this in a on a, on a theater screen and you know scorsese had that in his contract where he's like this has to go in theaters even though you're putting it on streaming services yeah and it'll probably be one of those films that you know like roma um, has a theatrical window first and maybe it'll be even longer maybe it'll be a month in theaters before it goes on to streaming services and I'm sure there'll be you know a 70 millimeter print of the film as well as a Dolby Atmos I could see that if they printed a 70 mil version of Roma I could see them printing a 35 mil um, for this um, yeah dude I can't wait for it 
Uh, next on our list is Jojo Rabbit, um, Taika Waititi's follow-up to Thor Ragnarok. Uh, much different. Yes. Uh, it's a story about a young boy who has a imaginary friend who happens to be Adolf Hitler. Uh, that's, I guess, the shortest synopsis. That yeah, I, can... I mean, uh, Taika Waititi's talked a little bit about how, like, you know, children misinterpret things and see things differently. So he sees like an image of Hitler and automatically, but it's played by Taika. Yeah. And so, and so that becomes, you know, his imaginary friend. Is this going to be controversial? Maybe it'll be in the same way that life of Brian was with Catholicism. Um, but I could see him playing it as one of those Taika characters too, with right. like, almost like a Korg like voice, because it'll be this kid's version of Hitler. Exactly. Like, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we don't know much about it either, other than the cast that has uh, Scarlett uh, Johansson, Sam, Sam Rockwell, Rockwell um, uh, uh, Stephen Merchant's in there, Rebel Wilson, yeah, um, yeah, man, and uh, Fox Searchlight is uh, uh, distributing it. Um, I can see that being probably a fall festival movie. Um, it's it's weird because I mean, The Hunt for the Wilder People played at um, Sundance, so maybe, maybe if it's done by Cannes, maybe it'll be. Um, submitted there, but I, I could see it going for the 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 fall festival crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I mean, I love Taika. I I went back to watch most of his filmography this past year. Um, I love Ragnarok, obviously. I think um, what we do I in like the shadows his, uh, is, is probably amazing, his strongest, which film. I'm very excited for the FX series. I know yeah. this is a movie podcast, but that's premiering in this spring, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, and he is uh. Uh, he worked on that as well um yeah dude i what we do in the shadows is magnificent um that played tiff a few years back so i could see maybe jojo uh popping up there um yeah dude i'm i'm very very excited of this i love his uh i love him as a person but also his sense of humor and i think this will be incredibly funny yeah and and um, and i mean i've had the chance i guess i'm gonna do this as like a name <laughs> drop humble, but humble brag uh, humble brag but i mean i got to interview him for thor ragnarok and his humor and timing is as dry as you would want it to be, but he's also a very nice guy. And I think the other thing that makes me like Thor Ragnarok even more is that that movie's success afforded him the opportunity to make Jojo Rabbit. You know, like, I don't know if he'd be able to make a film where a boy's, you know, imaginary <laughs> best friend is Adolf Hitler if he didn't have, you know, something like Thor Ragnarok backing him up right. in terms of, uh, you know, a, a collateral, so Technically, to speak. this is going to be for Disney. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So <laughs> Disney's Jojo Rabbit. And it's, I mean, even the title does sound like, Disney, you know, a, an animated yeah. kids movie about a friendly rabbit. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, we're very excited excited about it and, and and very excited about you know his uh career takeover of hollywood <laughs> all right next is next we have knives out which is uh ryan johnson's uh whodunit movie it feels like jojo rabbit and and knives out are films that like they're the in-between movies because i know that taika waititi's been talking to marvel about maybe doing another project with them and and thinking about maybe doing um akira as well the warner brothers film and so like he was able to get that done or jojo rabbit done between those projects and the same thing with ryan johnson where ryan johnson after the last jedi it was announced that he's going to do his own star wars and thing. good for so, him to yeah take yeah kind of a 
break in between Star yeah, Wars Yeah, and to get projects. something that's that's you know a palate cleanser in a way as this as his as he describes it as an Agatha Christie who done it kind of story with Daniel Craig in the lead role with a cast that is just ridiculous. Yeah. Tony Collette, uh, Chris Evans, Chris, Chris Evans, Christopher Plummer, Michael my main, Shannon, Michael <laughs> Shannon, my main man, Don Johnson, yeah. uh, Lakeith Lake, Stanfield, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis. Oh my God, like, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's it amazing. Like, and and I mean the movie. Um, he revealed on Twitter and Instagram that he that filming is done and now they're in post production. So it's probably going to be one of those films that's in just a couple locations. Um, but knowing him, he'll probably really uh, uh, ramp up the uh, thrills and the suspense of it. And who knows? I mean, it could be uh, a really well done Hitchcockian kind of uh, thriller. And I'm sure there'll be some comedy in it. Maybe there'll be some darker elements. I mean, I don't know if he'll go as dark as he did in that one sequence with Paul Dano and Looper. <laughs> but um, knowing him, there'll be something that kind of subverts your expectations. Yeah, I even love Daniel Craig's character name as Detective Benoit Blanc. <laughs> like, it's great. And then Lakeith Steinfeld is uh, Detective Troy Archer. Well, again, like, it's, it's, it's going with the the, the Perot yeah. kind of yeah. storyline, right? Where you have the the Belgian detective. I mean, I, I, I'm sure he's going to be French. Um, sort of, you know, being brought into a cast of characters that all have their secrets and uh, horrible reveals. And, and I mean, who knows how it'll it'll play out. But knowing him, I wonder if it'll be done in time for the fall festival season as well. Or if Lionsgate, which picked up the movie, um, will just wait as a kind of more commercial play. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when, um, I don't know, they... Uh, announced it's November, correct? Yeah, yeah, November of next year. So he'll he'll probably have this done probably by the spring, uh, if anything. So we'll 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 see on that. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so the next one that we have is the last thing he wanted, yes. uh, which is Dee Rees um, continuing her partnership with Netflix after uh, they, the company picked up Mudbound a couple uh, years ago at the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, got nominated for a bunch of uh, awards, including Best Adapted Screenplay, which she was nominated for. Um, her Cinematography. F- cinematography, Rachel Morrison. Um her first movie, Pariah, is fantastic. If you haven't had a chance to see that movie, I would highly recommend it. Um, this is a kind of classic uh, thriller. I think it takes place, or at least the when the book was written, it's by Joanne Didion, uh, was in the 1960s. Uh, Matt, maybe you can look that up as this I'm talking. This seems... Uh- the premise here I, I'm reading is a journalist stops her coverage of the 1984 presidential election. Okay, so maybe it was um, in the 80s because I was thinking it was the 60s that the book was written, but it's maybe the Reagan um, presidential election. Okay, um, why was I thinking the 60s then? I have no idea. But um, you have Anne Hathaway in the lead, Willem Dafoe playing her dad, um, a kind of investigative uh, journalist kind of portrait. And again, like the eighties is an interesting time for scandal and uh, debauchery. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, Ben Affleck in there as well. Ben Affleck. But uh, you know, the, 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 the main reason I think we have this on our list is that we're excited to see where D Rees goes with kind of a more 
almost traditional sounding thriller. Like yeah. what can she bring to this that other filmmakers wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. And, uh, and again, like it's something, uh, that Netflix is going to really take, uh, the care and time to really get out there. And again, I think that this is going to be a movie that might play, uh, the festival circuit in the fall, if it, if it's of that caliber, or maybe it'll just be a really strong commercial player for Netflix. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Two Netflix movies we have on here yeah. so far. Um, the world is changing, Matt. We got to change with it. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Um, I think an interesting pick for us because we talked about this and then we kind of went back and forth on it. And I think we both loved uh, Lady Bird so much that we kind of have to uh, throw this on our most anticipated list. It's just because Little Women's been made so many times already. Yeah, well, I mean, even in 2018, you had a, TV, a BBC uh, TV miniseries and then you had a Christian films version that was a contemporary set uh, holiday themed uh, movie that was... Uh, you know, took place, I think, in that year or in in last year. So, like, it's been done so many times, but with the combination of an incredible cast and Greta Gerwig herself, what is Greta Gerwig going to bring to this that is different compared to the other versions? Are we going to get, you know, that kind of rapid, fast-paced humor? Are we going to get deadpan delivery? Is, is it going to be more comedic than yeah. than it has been in the past? I or mean, is it going to be a classic adaptation? Of yeah, it, is right? she going to go more traditional? We're going to see a completely different side to her as a filmmaker that wasn't showcased in Lady Bird at all. Um, and, and again, I mean, you know, you have her reuniting with Saoirse Ronan, uh, Timothy Chalamet. Meryl Streep. Uh, Meryl Streep, uh, Matt's favorite. <laughs> uh, Laura Dern. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Um, sadly, Emma Stone was replaced uh, by Emma Watson, but in a weird kind of La like La Land. La La Land kind of thing. It feels like yeah. it's, you know uh, Bob Odenkirk. Oh yeah, is in Chris there. Cooper. Chris Cooper. Um, so it's a really it's a really stacked cast, and I mean obviously that makes sense after the success of Lady Bird that anybody in their right mind would want to work with Greta Gerwig on her follow up to that film, and you know doing something that is um, outside of her. Uh, wheelhouse, so to speak, is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So um, I'm very excited about it. And just, you know, director, writer, director, and cast alone. And if she can bring something that we haven't seen to this story before, that's going to be even more exciting. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, next one Lucy in the Sky, uh, originally titled Pale Blue Dot. Um, the title you like much more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't love either one, but I rather go with that because, I mean, obviously with Lucy in the Sky, they're probably going to play or cue some version of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Um, but you have Natalie Portman starring as an astronaut who begins an affair with John Hamm, who's also a fellow astronaut, and he kind of falls out of love with her and uh, begins another affair with a younger uh, trainee and sort of her kind of being feeling more isolated towards her family. Uh, it's Noah Howley who is making his directorial debut for feature film. Who also we love from uh, Fargo, Fargo and Legion. He's bringing Dan Stevens in, who's playing uh, Portman's husband. Um, so, so it's going to uh, Coleman Domingo is also in it. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting uh, directorial debut. I mean, there were rumors that he was going to start off with a Doctor Doom movie a couple years ago, yeah. but I think that fell through. 
Um, but again, I think that this is going to be a, a movie that's going to maybe uh, not only play with our expectations of what this is going to be, but also change them because i mean you look at fargo fargo the tv show on paper just seemed like oh, okay it's just right an extension of the show what like how long or the movie how long is this going to actually last and it turns out to be this really engaging involving character study that you know had the essence of what the coen brothers started but did its own thing and also this being loosely based on a true story also kind of brings an intrigue to it as well so um i think that it's going to uh be definitely something again another fox searchlight movie that's kind of pushing the boundaries and you know with natalie portman she's got good taste in material so hopefully it'll be uh worthwhile a thousand percent i think uh fargo and legion are two of the best directed uh shows on tv and uh uh yeah i remember doing our our last podcast when we were doing movie monarchy and fargo was getting announced and we we're like what is this and then when you found it the first season was sort of uh uh it played in and was a sequel to the original film. Um, but it was its own thing. It's, yeah, it's its, its own well. thing, but played into elements of the first film. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And then where they go in the timeline and, and, and I, I just think each season you're like, how can he do more of this? And he finds a way. And, and he's um, also working on the new season um, of that as well with Chris Rock in the lead. So we'll yeah. see how that goes as well. And, and even and, Legion, uh, an X-Men show that uh, starring uh, uh, Professor X's son. Yeah. That you're, you're like, what the hell is this? And he makes it this weird, psychedelic, kind of strange, trippy, uh, very dark. That like, doesn't feel really like... like an X-Men yeah. movie, but it's, it kind of, in the way that, you know, people are loving Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, this challenges um, what we consider to be, you know, an X-Men movie or an X-Men TV show. So more stuff like that and less of uh, shows like The Gifted, uh, per se, which is just kind of, you know, piggybacking off, yeah. off of X-Men's success, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, our next film is Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary, Midsommar. Opening um, in August. Uh, he has Another dis- Florence Pugh. Florence maybe. Pugh is back. She's big, baby. The only one we don't have on our list. <laughs> with my family. Uh, she's, she's, she's a superstar in the making. As soon as I saw Lady Macbeth, I was just like, you know, like 10 years from, from, from now, she is going to be everywhere. And, you know, it's nice to see... It's nice to be someone that can brag, like, oh, I remember the first time I saw her in this, in the same way that, like, you do with, um, you know, like, Michael Fassbender with Hunger or Jennifer Lawrence with Winter's Bone. Um, So this movie is also a horror film, and uh, unlike Hereditary, it's about a young couple going to Sweden uh, under um, stressful circumstances, and something horrific happens. And it almost basically sounds... Again, the way that some people compared Hereditary to Wicker, The Wicker Man, it sounds like it has a very similar premise to the, the Wicker Man, where you have a community who practice in ritualistic um, uh, religious rhetoric that may or may not be supernatural. And the way that he described it as, you know, a, a, a love story set against the backdrop of a post-apocalyptic nightmare um, very much intrigues uh, intrigues me. So Yeah, dude. I mean, I love Hereditary so much that uh, I don't care what it is. I would be excited for it. So, um, 
Uh, my jaw was on the floor for the majority of that film, and I think he's uh, one of the hottest up-and-comers, I guess, um, working, and I would watch anything he puts out. So it definitely, because of Hereditary, skyrocketed to the top of uh, our list. And apparently it's one of A24's most expensive uh, movies to date because they produced it right from the, the ground up. It's not something that they picked up for distribution after the fact. So um, they have a lot of faith in him after Hereditary doing so well. And yeah, it's it's really exciting to see how he's going to deal with, you know, uh, interpersonal relationships and... Will it be as horrifying? Yeah, <laughs> will, it, will, will it be unsettling to the point of just being completely nerve-wracking? Um, I hope so. And, and I hope that it, it gets under your skin in a way that, you know, most horror movies tend to kind of miss the point. And it's not just about you know creating a jump scares jump scare or a perfect monster to sell advertisement space or toys um there's there's more to it than that and hopefully he'll explore the human condition as a part of it Mm -hmm. so next motherless brooklyn now this is this is one that i really wanted on the list personally because this is edward norton's uh follow-up to his film keeping the faith uh if you remember that really kind of cute but slight rom-com from the early 2000s with Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman that he directed and uh, co-starred in. Um, Motherless Brooklyn is a movie that he's been trying to make ever since. Um, It's a detective story um, about a unconventional detective who is suffering from Tourette's in the 1950s when his mentor is killed and he's the one that kind of has to go about finding out who did it. Uh, Jonathan Litham who wrote the novel is one of the most interesting and thought-provoking uh, uh, fiction writers, I think, in my opinion. One of my favorite books of his is As She Climbed Across the Table. Um, and there hasn't been a lot of, of his stuff, you know, that's been produced or made into uh, feature films or television shows. And I know like people like Brad Pitt have optioned his stuff in the past. Uh, he had a, a, a Brooklyn-set story called Fortress of Solitude, which is uh, about a friendship. Um, but this one could go either way. It could be, you know, the, the great, uh, you know, actor that we know of as Edward Norton making the film that, you know, as a writer, producer, director, cinematographer is Dick Pope, who's done a lot of Mike Lee stuff. The cast is interesting and varied. It feels like there's a lot of people that either he knows his friends or are doing him favors. You have Bruce Willis in the uh, the mentor role, Willem Dafoe, Alec Baldwin, uh, Leslie Mann, uh, Gugu Mbatha-Ra. So I feel that this is one that could be either hits the money and becomes like a surprise hit at the end of the year or become something that people weren't suspecting or it could flop completely and be horrendous as a vanity project. But I do recommend reading that book because it is really worth uh, uh, being involved in and and sort of uh, exploring the criminal underworld of that time. And and Jonathan Litham writes so beautifully. For sure. Uh, Next one uh, I think is pretty high on both of our most anticipated lists. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Was the summer of 69. Um. Tarantino teaming up with uh, DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt. Is, the first uh, time that they've ever shared the screen together. This is, you know, uh, as it's been uh, sort of mounted as a kind of uh, 
Paul Newman, Robert Redford, uh, Al Pacino, uh, Robert De Niro kind of teaming. Yeah, for sure. And um, it takes place in 1969. Um, for the longest time, it was known as the like the movie about the, the Manson murders. Um, but it seems like that will play a part in the movie. But it might well, not especially necessarily... with Margot Robbie. Right. Margot Robbie plays uh, Sharon Tate. Um, it has a, a incredible cast, obviously, with uh, DiCaprio, Pitt, uh, Margot Robbie. Damian Lewis is playing Steve McQueen. Uh, Luke Perry is in the film. Emile Hirsch, Dakota Fanning, Clifton Collins Jr., uh, Al Pacino, uh, Scoot McNary, uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Uh, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy cast. Um, and I'm sure Willis. there's a lot of people that will pop up in it that we don't even know about as like well. Like Sam Jackson's got to yeah. be in there somewhere, Even if it's right? like a voiceover or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I think that might be the case like we saw in Kill Bill. Or, or in well, Glorious Bastards. In Glorious Bastards, sorry. Kill yeah. Bill, he played the pianist, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It, it seems like he's getting back to uh, that... Uh, Hollywood set kind of um, multi-timeline, non-linear type of film like we got with Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction yeah. right? So um, seems like they're going to be branching stories that all intersect. And, and, and I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, we're huge Tarantino fans, and uh, we haven't seen much other than a few photos, which um, there's a great photo of uh, DiCaprio and, and Pitt together, and one is uh, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate, and where she looks absolutely stunning and spot on um and yeah tarantino is one of my favorite working directors obviously and I, this I is just, his penultimate movie yeah supposedly yeah. but um uh yeah who knows what will happen there but um yeah man can't wait can't yeah wait and, and and again it's gonna be interesting to as you mentioned he's going back to the dialogue driven kind of more contempt i mean obviously it's not contemporary set but, but more contemporary Western, compared right? to the hateful yeah. later django unchained um and and again you know multiple locations instead of one or two spots so we'll see how this all plays out and it's interesting because we don't know too much about the plot itself and what the storyline or storylines will revolve around so usually tarantino is one of those guys that gloats about uh what what he's written and kind of reveals before the movie's even in production what yeah, it's no about. script but leak this time no there's none so it's yeah. exciting to kind we know of it's go about a actor and his his stunt double which it's right? basically and... sounds to me uh a lot like clint eastwood in a way where like he had this tv series in the 50s and 60s and then afterwards was looking for work to become a serious film actor, not known as like a TV uh, celebrity. So he goes to Italy to go and make, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly and, and a fistful of dollars and all those mm -hmm. uh, Sergio Leone movies, um, spaghetti Westerns. And, and so I think if, that plays a part in this. And then he's neighbors with Sharon Tate. Yeah. Right, which so. I'm sure maybe that's going to be uh, its own kind of subplot as well. I mean, it's going to be interconnecting, but I'm sure there'll be a chunk of that that focuses on all of uh, those story threads with Roman Polanski as well. And it's, it's also going to be controversial because I mean, nobody wants to glorify the Manson murders or Charles Manson himself. So or even Polanski or even Polanski at this <laughs> yeah. point. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the movie is approached and even it moving its release date, uh, away from the direct anniversary, um, I think was also kind of telling of, of the political, of the, uh, the climate now that we we live in yeah i think after he talked with uh sharon tate's surviving family members i think they were like hey maybe not do that yeah but then um 
I remember them being worried about it, but then uh, he kind of eased their mind on on what he was actually trying to do in the movie. So yeah, I don't know. We don't know much about it. We haven't seen anything from it other than those few photos. Um, yeah, when do you think we'll get um, a trailer for it? I thought we might have gotten one before the end of the year, especially because it's supposed to be summer. But knowing him, like I even remember the first teasers for hateful eight and um django were pretty short teasers of just like kind of gave you a glimpse of what the tone will be through music and, well that first trailer and, for for hateful eight um, wasn't even uh like there was no footage it was yeah. just all animated right, right exactly so i'm surprised we haven't even gotten something like that yeah. or because he's the um, movie is he's done shooting, shooting or think, at least he's doing almost. reshoots yeah. or something i know he shut down a lot of like la yeah. trying to do which like, is almost impossible yeah. like any other filmmaker would yeah. be laughed out of the room <laughs> like but he he's... shut down the cinema dome or what's it called the uh cin- not the cinesphere but yeah, cinerama I, the cinerama, cinerama yeah, dome yeah, yeah, and yeah. then like he's re- and then even the new beverly hills yeah. theater he closed down for a period i, I think part of it was renovations yeah. but i do think they used some of it for 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 certain settings and even just uh certain walkways and and roads it all like looks that. like it's in the late 60s and yeah. stuff like that so it's been really really cool yeah i'm i like again i'm excited for him to get back into some again not contemporary but uh, i'm not i love django and i love hateful eight but westerns aren't necessarily my thing per se right and um I although remember... i would i will say his best i think his best movie next to pulp fiction is inglorious bastards oh i love inglorious bastards man i love it i love it love it love it um although i love kill bill um i love that who am i kidding i just enjoy everything that he makes but yeah the 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 cast is insane i didn't even mention everyone but um james marsden <laughs> michael madsen yeah timothy oliphan tim roth is back and um it should be really really crazy all right next up do you want to take it yeah so um i don't know too much about the actual plot for this one other than it has two families that have a strange connection something that brings them together but it's from Bong Joon-ho, um, who has done some of my favorite films in the last 10 years, from Okja, Snowpiercer, Memories of a Murder, um, and and uh, The Host. So we're getting his new movie, which is called Parasite, not to be confused with the 1980s Parasite starring Demi Moore. Um, this, I don't know if it actually has a physical parasite but um it's him returning to south korea and doing a movie that isn't uh with an international cast so it's going to be interesting to see you know how much has it you know in in terms of playing with genre and whether or not it's going to be more regional specific yeah um but i'm very excited for it because i mean again i loved okja and he's one of those guys that can play with tone in such a way that i don't think many other filmmakers can you can go from you know something very funny and and uh, you know uh weirdly slapstick to horrific and scary and then also emotionally gripping and devastating in just one scene and he knows how to kind of play those chords and i know that a lot of uh, film critics have even compared him to steven spielberg in that regard where he can play with multiple tones and genres within uh within one movie so um i'm very excited about this neon picked it up so it'll probably be either the fall festival circuit or maybe it'll even play a can mm-hmm. yeah i could see that uh i'm with you on that 
next up, we have Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, I had to put this on here, and I convinced you to put it on here just because... Um, it's just because uh, Mysterio's in it. It's well, a bowl. Yeah. yeah Fish got, bowl. Gotta love Mysterio. But uh, I loved Homecoming so much, and I, I, I do really think Spider-Verse is the future of Spider-Man, but like, I like... Uh, I like how they're able to handle all these different versions and they have their MCU live action version. And I thought Homecoming was one of the best Marvel films. And um, I want to see more from that universe and that character. And um, Well, that ensemble. That ensemble is great. And Jake Gyllenhaal coming in to play um, a quote-unquote hero version of Mysterio, which they're saying, uh, which is horseshit. It's just an illusion. Um, but... I'm very curious to see where it goes. Uh, it taking place uh, mostly in Europe. I'm mostly fascinated of how they're going to market it. I think why we haven't seen that trailer that they released in Brazil is because Marvel is going, we don't want you to release that right, yet. Right, because of, because um, of uh, Avengers It kind Endgame. of ruins Endgame, right? Because yeah. the movie has Sam Jackson in it. It has Colby Smulders. It, um, uh, yeah, so I'm like, sure there will maybe be even other characters as well that kind of factor into it. And I know that they're really... I mean, I don't know if this is a spoiler because this is more so speculation, but with um, John Favreau's Happy Hogan taking the more kind of mentory role in um, Spider-Man: Far From Home, it makes you wonder what's going on with Robert Downey Jr. Is he yeah. is he done now? Yeah, is he, why isn't he in the film? Yeah, because right? I mean, he played such a prominent role uh, in in Homecoming. So, like, what's what's going on there? Yeah. So I think that's what's most fascinating. And I don't know. I think Homecoming is a, a, a an am- a, whoa, amazing movie. Um, I really, really think spectacular. It's great. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. So yeah. And Michael I, I, Keaton too. He's back. And right. I'm really. Excited. So come on. Yeah. Come on. You son. can't. <laughs> you, you, you. How can you say no to Michael Keaton? Yeah. Um. My only gripe is that I wish it was called Spider Man Euro Trip. Yeah, I, or I would have liked field trip, right? Better. Like I think, like I don't well, think you Euro necessarily... Trip makes it sound like a like a teen a scene a teen sex comedy, and that's like kind of Euro what I, Trip. Yeah. I know, but that's why we wouldn't do that. Yeah. So I I remember like we're getting into semantics of titles, but you can see how a studio says no, the first one did so well, and it was called Homecoming, so we need to stick to the yeah. home theme. Where I would have liked them to stick to the school theme more, like and go with different school titles. So I think Field Trip would have been a more interesting thing than. Far from home. I think that's dumb sounding, right. but well, anyways. far from home sounds like uh, far from away, yeah. uh, or, or uh, uh, far away home. Like it just it, it or fly away home with Anna Paquin. Remember the movie with <laughs> no. the, the Canadian geese? No, I don't. Oh god, uh, excited for it. But again, I I really after Endgame, and it's like a month after I think too, or like yeah. a month or two after. We'll probably um, get that trailer soon. I just don't know how you market it properly, but I don't know. That's their, they're going to probably have to be as problem. vague as possible. Yeah, I guess maybe have Mysterio as mostly the yeah. like, almost make it seem like it's a Mysterio movie um, more than yeah, because the Venom fans will oh. love that. <laughs> uh, All you assholes who made Venom a huge hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, nah, you're not assholes. I'm just joking. But I know. I just I'm just surprised that that movie made the money it did. Same here, man. Uh, okay, next one uh, we had to put on here as well, um, the culmination of the Skywalker saga, um, Star Wars Episode Nine. J.J. Uh, Abrams bringing it back, home. Which, 
I think is a smart move on their part. Uh, I mean, sorry, Colin st- Trevorrow. St- no, yeah, we <laughs> dodged a bullet there. If you guys hated Ryan Johnson's Star Wars, you'll love Colin Trevorrow's. From the director um, of the Book of Henry. <laughs> yeah, that killed him. Yeah, at least in the Star Wars universe. But uh, everyone knows Eric and I are uh, huge Star Wars fans. I mean, you, you and I both grow up grew up with it and and i think we both loved last jedi so much and it's unfortunate that that split the fan base so much i think um but well people some people just don't like change and i feel that like force awakens was the movie to reawaken um people's very love familiar. of the series yeah, yeah it's the greatest hits film yeah but what what Ryan Johnson was able to do was was able to take the mythology that we all know and love and actually do something new with it. And yeah, it came with a more divisive reaction than I think even Disney was expecting. But at the same time, I can see you know us looking back twenty years from now and saying that this is as in Last Jedi is as important a movie as Empire Strikes Back, and not because it copied Empire Strikes Back, it did its own thing and it yeah. did it beautifully. Um, now bringing JJ back into, the I think fold. it'll be a good sandwich. Like I think yeah. you'll have the beginning and the end, uh, those buns of JJ <laughs> just <laughs> squeezing it all together. Um, I just, I don't know. I, think, I do kind of wish that there was another filmmaker to yeah. do it, just in terms of the continuity of the Your original. Your OCD trilogy. wants, like, yeah, yeah, three different filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I love JJ. Um, I thought he did a great job with Force Awakens, and I think he'll close this out. Um, in a wonderful fashion. I do think we'll get a more um, mystery box film that feels familiar, much like Force Awakens did, but then wraps everything up in... I don't think he's going to pander to the people who were assholes about Last Jedi and didn't get what they want. I hope that's not what he does. Right. I hope he doesn't retcon a lot of the stuff that Ryan Johnson was like, hey, guess what? None of this shit matters. I'm going to do my own thing here and show you that this isn't about that stuff it's about this it's about anyone can be a hero and and a jedi and and anyways you don't have to be the chosen one but now i do think that they might go back and make it the chosen one story kind of thing but and also uh, how they're going to handle um the archival footage that they didn't use of carrie fisher as well and how they're going to incorporate that respectfully respectfully into um the new uh footage that they've shot for this film specifically because i mean abrams has already been very vocal about it and saying that it, it works it feels like it, it makes sense to the narrative and obviously you know when you have a, a crack team of writers they'll be able to figure out something with what they have and what they they haven't used but um it, it will be kind of a bittersweet send-off in a way because i mean i i think last jedi even more so kind of felt you know, like this beautiful way to say goodbye to, you know, uh, General Leia. With her Mary Poppins moment. Yes. Uh, well, even that, but even rewatching it now, I'm, I'm forgiving of that. Like, if, if there was same. one thing I would complain about, it's not even that, it's just how it shot. Yeah. It kind of bothered me, yeah. if anything else. Um, I'm with you. And some of the newcomers, we have Carrie Russell, we have uh, not a newcomer, but Billy D. Williams is coming back. Um, we have... He's bringing uh, that cape with the, with him. Why am I Did you see the video of him working out? No. Oh, Is he getting so, jacked? Oh, yeah. Is he? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Richard um, E. Grant. Richard E. Grant was the one that I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's someone else, too, aren't I? I'm blanking. I gotta um, find that video of him working out. He was just, he was like... I'm like just ripped? Oh, yeah. Yeah. God bless him. Uh, who else do we got here? Uh, I wonder if Del Toro will come back, because I felt like out of all... 
the the plot lines that, that his kind of was left yeah like i felt like it was intentionally left to follow up not to wrap up but to oh, matt maybe, smith and dominic monaghan as well yeah to kind of follow up in uh the the next movie oh, matt smith though oh, you don't like matt smith no. no i don't and i know there's a lot of doctor who fans out there but yeah. i just can't stand them I like Dominic Monaghan. I mean, I'm a lost fan. lost fanboy. That's why I like. The JJ only thing well. I liked uh, Matt Smith in was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because he was kind of playing, you know, a buffoonish version of himself, the same way that almost like Hugh Grant did in Paddington Two. Um, but he also is one of those guys where it's like when you hear his name, maybe it's just because of Terminator Genesis <laughs> when he got added in last minute for that movie. Look how that turned out. Yeah. Uh, you take the next one. Oh, okay. So. The next movie on our list is uh, the Safdie Brothers' Uncut Gems. I don't know if you've been paying attention to social media and uh, seeing the photos of Adam Sandler walking around in his getup for this for this film, but he looks insane. Yeah, <laughs> he looks amazing. It's so ridiculous. I think I sent you a photo. You of You probably once. did. I'm just gonna um, look it up again. So, anyways, you have the Safdie Brothers who you know, are coming off their most commercial film, I guess, commercial in a kind of <laughs> A24 sense, uh, with Robert Pattinson in Good Time as a movie that was, again, an all-nighter. Now you have a film that kind of focuses on the Diamond District in New York. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Adam Sandler's in the lead role, which originally was apparently um, a role that they wanted Jonah Hill in. Um, but I can't wait to see how they work with Adam Sandler, especially after doing, you know, a- after Sandler did the Merowitz uh, stories. And hopefully this and will be... he was be... so good in that. Like... I know, and it pisses me off because he's <laughs> so good in that. And it's like, dude, why aren't you doing more shit like that? I know you, you, like it's easy for you to take a vacation and make a movie somewhere. And I don't blame him for that. Right. One for us, one for you. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Take off the track <laughs> pants every now and then and, like, get into a suit and... You know, do it because you are good. You are genuinely good. So I'm excited to see how he plays with the Safdie brothers in a kind of subversive uh, heist movie of sorts. And 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 maybe it'll be character based. But you know, with with uh, their style, they're going to make characters that are very uh, uh, polarizing, to say the least. And I'm excited about that. No, I'm with you. Um, I recently we talked about it on this show, but I recently watched. Um, <laughs> Uh, good times good time good time um and uh enjoyed it thoroughly so i can't wait to see uh what they do with him (laughs) well just uh, you going through those photos oh yeah i just looked at the photos if you were hearing us laughing in the background but um yeah man i uh i'm with you that adam sandler can be a great actor it's just he chooses to uh yeah, kind of take the yeah take the and I don't blame him either. He's had a long career too, so why not just take the right. easy route? But in but. that career, I mean, he's he's done so many for himself that it's like it just seems like such a wasted talent. Yeah, when like the only two kind of like I mean, obviously uh, reign over me, but like Punch Drunk Love and Merowitz uh, stories are the films where you're like. This is a completely different actor. <laughs> like, this is a guy who is... How do you give those performances? Is, and, and then, then yeah. you go in and do... And Grown Ups you know, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love whenever he makes one of his comedies. It's always at... An, uh, he has a beautiful wife, and he always is in some elaborate, expensive, like, location. Yeah, it's, like, well, it's him on vacation. It's, yeah. I mean, Eastwood does the same thing. But, it, it, like, you can tell, like, literally, he, he's like... Guys, I'm going on vacation with my family. Let's write a script around this, yeah. and we'll we'll shoot. All my friends can come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll shoot. 
you know, on my time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not long shoot days, guaranteed. No. They're like, guys, we're shooting from 9 to 5, and then that's... Early. Not even that. Yeah. We're going to shoot until 12 o'clock. We're going to grab some food. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, I, I, I like that he has a group of people that he hangs out with, and he brings in, and... But, it seems like they're having fun. Yeah, but that doesn't translate to the film itself. <laughs> it's it it, it it makes it uh, worse for us. Yeah, a hundred percent. Next on our list is uh, a movie that just got a trailer on Christmas Day, which we should talk about yeah. now. And you teased about earlier in the show. Uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Uh, dude, this looks good. It yes, looks so it's good. his follow-up to Get Out. Um, in just a couple of years as well. Like you think, like maybe he would take more time, but he's. Already uh, finished his uh, next social thriller, which is to do uh, with a family that is kind of a home invasion esque story. They're on vacation. Vacation. At a yeah, yeah. Um, they're friends with Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker. <laughs> yeah, with tattoos. Uh, <laughs> Did you see? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it looks great. Um, and they experience a kind of almost weirdly Michael Haneke funny game scenario where. They're introduced to characters that uh, are doppelgangers. that are doppelgangers and are playing a game against them that maybe their doppelgangers know more about than they do. There's a lot of symbolism within the film, specifically to do with rabbits. Rabbits seems to be a big thing right now yeah. with that and the favorite and um, um, obviously the uh, the scissors as well. And we'll get and to they keep s- using the term the untethering. Yeah, which tethering always brings me back to like your phone or like the internet or I, again, it, obviously it's going to be some something to do with your your own worst enemy kind of. Yeah, thing, well, but... that's I think that's the theme of the film, and that's what he was talking about when he showed the trailer to uh, reporters. Like your worst fears, yeah, are coming that after. you're your own worst enemy, yeah. and that you're the one that gets in the way of your success or your survival in this case um and yeah and that trailer is really oh my creepy. god dude, i can't stop uh, watching you have trailer. two uh uh black panther alumni with yeah. winston duke and lapita nyong'o um it's i think it's going to be one of those movies that um not only is this uh, an overnight that success mask that kids wearing is horrifying yeah and again it's like awesome. it's playing into the horror tropes and and the one thing that i also that we haven't seen yet but Peel keeps referring to is that he's created a new monster and that what this monster is is it going to be is it going to take a physical form in the way that you know Freddy or Jason does or is it going to be something else but he keeps saying that you know this is going to be uh the even the even the um uh, the the tagline says it's a new nightmare, mm-hmm. and Which there's is, there's yeah. imagery that even references Street, yeah, and yeah. West Craven's the last house on the left. Um, so we'll we'll see where where that goes, and it's going to be exciting to get it in March. Yeah, man, it's coming soon, and I cannot wait. It made me want to immediately go back and watch Get Out, but I'm going to try and save that closer to. Uh, the release of the film. Tiff's actually showing Get Out at Lightbox, which would be amazing, but in April. <laughs> like, right. come on. Like, show it before us. Well, maybe out, they'll have us as like a second uh, run kind of that'd thing. That'd be great, yeah. But um, I, I, again, after we finish recording, I'm going to watch that trailer again because I just. Uh, I, I got again, five on it. And I kept. Uh, I kept reading theories that people have of it, which is always interesting. I like that people are diving in like right away to be like, is this kind of a pseudo sequel to get out? Are these people? um, One theory I read that I thought was really interesting was that uh, their family is actually 
Um, I don't want to spoil Get Out, actually. We'll talk about it after. Right. If you haven't seen Get Out, please watch Get Out. But there's some theories online that I thought were really interesting, although it's just based on a trailer, and who the hell knows what this is going to be about. I don't think any of us could have really even guessed what Get Out was <laughs> really about. Right. Um, and then also on top of that, I mean, Peel's got a really busy year because he's uh, revamping and remaking Twilight The Twilight Zone. Zone. Amazing cast. And then also he's well. producing a new take on Candyman. So um, it's going to be quite the year for him. All right, and, oh, and also, I mean, he's a producer on Black Klansman, and I'm sure that's going to get a Best Picture nomination. That's dope. Um, no, I don't want to delete this note. I worked so hard on it. Uh, our last film, you take it away. Waves. So um, I don't know too much about this, other than what uh, Trey uh, Edward Schultz has already mentioned, the director of Krishna and It Comes at Night. This is his third film with uh, A24. Um, which takes place in Florida. Um, it's a contemporary love story um, that is a musical, but music-based specifically that has a score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And the idea of it is it's going to be a nonlinear story that takes place at the beginning and end. And the actual end is when it meets in the middle. And so you have a cast that includes Lucas Hedges and Sterling K. Brown, um, and I be, believe uh, Calvin uh, Harrison Jr., who's also in uh, It Comes at Night. Um, and the idea with him is that, or the, the main theme is how music plays an important role in our lives and sort of how music can be experiential and how it can reflect how we are feeling and, and, and emitting those feelings or uh, sort of experiencing them uh, the, with the, with the world around us. So I'm kind of I'm curious about it because it sounds like it's his most ambitious movie to date, especially when you have when you're orchestrating uh score and plot in the same kind of narrative and sort of bouncing back and forth between storylines. So um we'll we'll see how that goes. But I remember he was talking about it when he was doing the rounds for um it comes at night and he seemed really excited about it and like again like he said that this is the most challenging thing he's ever done so yeah i mean it comes at night was one of my favorite films of that year and of 2017 and um yeah man i i I absolutely can't wait to see what he does next and um again i'm not the biggest music guy but obviously when it comes to film scores I, i i i love it and when you tell me trent reznor and atticus ross are doing a a score that immediately piques my interest and obviously i uh, really dig uh his stuff i still need to go back and watch krishna it's but, good it's um, it's, a, it's a um dysfunctional thanksgiving uh film with his real family but i loved it comes at night so much and it reminded me so much of the last of us that i talk about all the time well even that, he said that that, uh, that was, was an inspiration a, yeah a huge inspiration to him and, and he doesn't hide that at all um and that wraps our 19 most anticipated films of 2019. I think a really, really cool eclectic lineup that I think has um, a bit of both of us in there of uh, my tendencies for big um, studio movies. And um, and we have a mix of some really small stuff. We have some foreign stuff in there. I think it's it's kind of a really, really cool list. And I'll make sure to post this on, on social after this episode goes out and maybe even on the website somewhere. We can keep a record of all these things. To yeah, see. and see where we are um, at the end of... A text of, record, because uh, we'll forget about what we talked The end of about. 2019 and see you know whether or not any of those films made them or... <laughs> our best of list or worst ofs or, or yeah, and... and, and 
compare and contrast, and and I think that's interesting. But but those aren't the only movies as well. Which you know, there's there's tons of stuff that we we had to cut or we had to say like you know um, maybe well, we'll exclude them because they've already played yeah. at festivals. So like we the wanted Nightingale. to yeah, then uh, um, Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale being specific, and even stuff that we would recommend people seek out this year, like In Fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, me specifically, I know you didn't really love it, but uh, I really high liked life, High yeah. Life. So, um, but then you know, like just before go- you do that, uh, let's go through those lists that people sent us. Okay, yes, their, yes. Um, so um, we'll go through. We want to go through some of the other stuff that's playing this year that didn't quite make our list, but um, we're still kind of uh, excited for. So we're gonna give some shout outs to some people who uh, sent Eric their most anticipated. Yes. Yeah, so I asked year. on Twitter uh, for people to uh, Eric's debuting a new segment. Yes. Right <laughs> Eric asks. Eric's lazy and just wants other people to do his stuff. Yes, but you know what? It's always interesting to see what other people are considering their most anticipated, what is on their mind in terms of of, of um, excitement, and and again, like especially for those who are um, film critics and writers, like every year it kind of becomes a, a a thing where it's like, oh, I'll get to it, like I'll, I'll review it at some point or other. So you know, let's just enjoy the as it comes along. But it was exciting to also see that a lot of people were, you know, willing to interact this way. As Matt opens a, <laughs> a thing of Pringles, um, so I am looking through the list now. I'm just going. I tried to retweet. As much as possible, so I could just go through it. Uh, we'll start with uh, our, our favorite listener, actually, uh, Brandon. Uh, hey, Brandon. Uh, hey, bud. I'm um, gonna be eating chips during this segment, so I'm gonna keep stepping. So back his Twitter mic. Twitter handle is Renton One Two Seven, and his suggestions uh, or his most anticipated were the new Tarantino movie, uh, Hereditary, uh, the, the the new uh, film from the director of uh, Hereditary. Uh, the follow-up uh, from the witch director, Robert Eggers, uh, The Lighthouse, which we didn't talk about, which um, stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, and it's uh, supposed to be a very strange black-and-white shot-on-film um, thriller. Uh, Avengers, Lego Movie 2, and Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, we have film critic Chris Knight uh, at Chris Knight Film. Who his choices were Little Women by Greta Gerwig, Star Wars Episode Nine, and anything time to coincide with the Apollo uh, anniversary. So um, we have films, possibly the the untitled Richard Linklater movie that's not to be confused with Where You Go, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, um, and also uh, on top of that, Neon has. Uh, a documentary, uh, Apollo 11, that I believe is playing Sundance. And my Uncle Mark is making a short documentary about the Apollo anniversary. So, What's Mark's last name? Forrester. Mark Excellent. Forrester. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Bruno Vega, uh, at Bruno L. Rata, said, All of the animated movies coming out next year, except Bikes and Frozen 2? <laughs> so just all of them except for those um okay let's see here uh stefan ellison uh at mr coat and that is m-i-s-t-e-r uh mr coat uh said call of the wild that's with uh harrison ford once upon a time in hollywood us spies in disguise which is with uh will smith turning into no, a don't spoil it watch that trailer okay <laughs> it's ridiculous but 
it, it kind of made me laugh. Um, the untitled Danny Boyle comedy, which is supposed to be a musical and also maybe going by uh, All You Need Is Love, so uh, heavy Beatles uh, influence there. Star Wars Episode Nine, How to Train Your Dragon 3, Lego 2, Knives Out, uh, Last Christmas, which is a Paul Feig rom-com using the music of George Michael with Amelia Clark and Emma Thompson. Uh, the Irishman, uh, Laika's Missing Link, uh, Toy Story 4, uh, Dan the Movie Man, uh, Daniel underscore Asbel, uh, says Wounds, which is uh, with Army Hammer and uh, Dakota Johnson, <laughs> Where'd You Go Bernadette, even though we just finished uh, making fun of that. Um, I, I think it'll be better than what that trailer I, I hope so. And again, if it's directed by Richard Linklater, like he obviously saw there's something there and, and Kate Blanchett being the lead, but that, that trailer, trailer is awful. awful. <laughs> um, Beach Bum, All You Need Is Love, The Woman in the Window with Amy Adams uh, being directed by Joe Wright, uh, co-starring uh, Oscar winner Gary Oldman and Julianne Moore. Uh, that sounds cool. Uh, and the... Um, uh, won't You Be My Neighbor uh, film, uh, uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the Fred Rogers, uh, Tom Hanks film. I was just looking at it now because it says, You Are My Friend, which was the original title. It was going under, I think, when it was in the script stage. Uh, Marco Orlick uh, at uh, Marco underscore Orlick. Uh, Ad Astra, The Irishman, The Lighthouse, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Uncut Gems, uh, the Wasp Network, which I think is um, Olivier Assayas' next movie. Can you double-check that for me? What's it called? Uh, the Wasp Network. I think it's Assayas' next film. All right, I hate it. I hate wasps. Well, yeah. The Wasp, wasp Factory? <laughs> no, The Wasp Network. As Matt is uh, looking for that, uh, Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which I don't know if it's going to make 2019 because I still think it's in pre-production even though they cast... Oh, yes, it is, so I'm right uh, as... As per normal, I mean, I'm never wrong. <laughs> uh, um, with Brie Larson and Jesse Plemons, uh, you have the new Terrence Malick movie. Again, I don't know if that's going to come out this year or not. Um, just depends on his schedule. But he has commented already that the movie is going to be more structure based and maybe uh, going back to the days of uh, Badlands. So that might be exciting. And it's German as well. Um, with Matthias Schoenhartz, maybe, yes. if he makes the cut. Um, and then he also put uh, Kelly Reichardt's First Cow, which I hope will play at TIFF and actually get a proper theatrical release because certain women did not. It got released much later. Um, yeah, he also has Where'd You Go, Bernadette. And then he has the uh, Netflix Soderbergh um, uh, combo of High Flying Bird. And uh, The Laundromat and High Flying Bird is a basketball uh, drama with Andre Holland and Kyle McLaughlin. And then you have the Panama Papers um, ensemble cast that has people like Gary Oldman, Meryl Streep, Antonio Banderas, stuff man, like that. And you pop, you just can't stop, man. Yeah, I know. You're, I'm just I'm, I'm rambling all these names of films. Well, I eat Pringles. Matt eat Pringles. Um, the Movie Goer, uh, at The Movie Goer. The Wait, sorry to stop you. The basketball movie he shot on iPhone as well, right? Yes. And Panama he shot Papers, that like in did he three... shoot on iPhone? <laughs> no, I think the Panama Papers he probably shot. I mean, it's still digital, but maybe with something a little bit better or bigger. Mm -hmm. um, not better, but 
you know what I mean, with yeah. more elaborate technology. Uh, technology. Um, the moviegoer at the moviegoer uh, underscore said Frankie, which is Ira Sachs's uh, follow up to, to Little Men with Isabel Huppert. Um, far, Fair and Balanced, which is the Roger Ailes uh, biopic. Uh, Dolore uh, Y. Gloria. Um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, the Irishman uh, and Little Women. Uh, <laughs> uh, Anne Swanson at Anne uh, Anna? Anna, Anna Swanson, pardon me. Uh, at Anna and then SWNSN said Hobbs and Shaw, 21st century <laughs> portrait. Uh, I believe that was a joke. I know, I know, I know. We'll, we'll, I'll actually get to her uh, real one in a second. I'm just going through chronologically now. Uh, Kieran uh, at Hair Everywhere underscore said dragged across across concrete, which is the follow up to um, Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Although that has Mel Gibson in a lead role as a racist police officer, uh, far stretch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, Automata. Can you check what that is? I don't even... uh, Auto... So, Auto and then Mata. Yes. Uh, The Irishman, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Us, and The Show. And I think The Show is the Mindy Kaling uh, movie that co-stars Emma Thompson. What is that? Sorry, we're just looking at this up now. Is this... this... Is that that it, or is it it a different one? No, this is from 2014, so it's definitely not that, unless he's very excited to rewatch Automata from the the Spanish Bulgarian. It's probably something else. Um, Maybe it went from... Maybe there's a different title. I'll I'll keep looking. All right, Karen, get back to us on that one. Um, Andrew Feigl... Uh, Kua uh, underscore Andrew, K-U-Y-A underscore Andrew, uh, wrote uh, Beach Bum, Promare, Blossoms, High Life, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Climax, Joker, uh, and then in brackets, insert several A24 films here, (laughs) which I went on to say to him that Climax is an A24 Mm. movie. Uh, Anna Swanson again uh, says... um, with her actual films, probably. With, hold on, hold on. Yeah, okay, so she wanted to say High Life, but she wasn't sure if that was cheating. I said no, because it's still a 2019 release, and you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, but also Us, Little Women, Hobbs and Shaw, okay, uh, so and John Wick 3. Yes, and the, the Hobbs and Shaw joke that we're making is that it's now going by the title Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, which almost sounds like Rogers and Hammerstein presents, yeah. you know, like it's almost like a musical <laughs> version or something like that. Um Gotta get that SEO, baby. Yes, Max Coville. I have to give a special shout out to him because not only did he, we cheated uh, off him a little we, bit. We we yeah. we did because he sent us um, his letterbox list and a very eclectic and wide ranging list. So thank you so much, uh, Max, for that. Um, so one of the movies he mentioned was uh, Pale Blue Dot, now known as Lucy in the Sky. Um, just looking to see if he sent. Uh, anything else oh okay so uh us knives out and the irishman are near the top for him and you can go and check uh out his uh letterbox i'm just gonna find his uh handle for that um oh it's at max coville so uh max and coville's c-o-v-i-l-l and he's pro as he should be (laughs) and uh his twitter handle is m h coville 
and so thank you very much, uh, Max. Really appreciate it. Um, going back up here. Uh, Brian Tallarico, um, really nice of him to uh, chime in, uh, writer at rogerebert.com. I met him this year at TIFF. Um, he thought I was confusing uh, the Richard Linklater uh, <laughs> movies, uh, which I wasn't, but um, his most anticipated was a gif of uh, us, yeah, um, which is uh, We Can Get Crazy. Um, and then also uh, Bodie Sullivan uh, at... Uh, Bodie Solomon uh, recommended uh, Us as well with another GIF. I think Us is on a lot of people's lists. It seems like the ones that are uh, coming up frequently are The Irishman, Once Upon a Time, uh, Us. Um, Anything Star that's in Wars. GIF form. Yeah, true. <laughs> but um, that's, that's it. But I wanted to thank everybody again for... Um, bringing in their recommendations and what they're looking forward to in 2019. And um, it's really exciting to, to, to know that the film community is, is enthusiastic about a new year. Hashtag film Twitter. Film Twitter 2019. (laughs) Uh, As, as we are just kind of, you know, shooting the shit and talking about it in just general uh, terms. So thank you to everybody. And, and, and I hope, I mean, we, we, we've talked about it, I think once or twice before, but hopefully this year we will get uh, some uh, guests to come on the show. Um, Obviously Nevis was the first, but uh, we'd like to, you know, actually have three people on the show to get differing uh, perspectives. Yeah. We're trying to, it's just tough, right? We can barely figure out our schedules of when to get together. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're so. shooting right now on you know a Sunday evening as it gets dark out. It feels uh, later than it is, right? Um, but yeah, so we're like, over we, two hours already. This shit just all every time we're like, oh, we'll keep it, you know. But this, something like this, I can understand. Our it last longer. two episodes were long because we did best of and a preview. So I think I our Suspiria that. episode was one of our shortest. We did one that was like an hour. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we did that. Yeah. I think it's because we recorded two in one day. Those Pringles. Oh, here, I'll get them for you. All right, Matt's going to get me some Pringles. I'm going to eat them uh, right into the mic. <laughs> and uh... and then we'll we'll wrap it up with a couple other movies that uh, we kind of meant didn't quite make our list. But next year is... <laughs> I didn't realize how distracting that was. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, um. I, I wrote like a giant list down of other things that yeah, we, we saw in um, some other people's uh, lists, but I'm also excited for Toy Story 4, uh, Detective Pikachu, weirdly, uh, Lion King Aladdin, um, Angel Has Fallen is coming next year. Aaron uh, Eckhart, not in the movie. Yeah, I, I heard some stories about why that is. Not Nothing in him, I just don't think him and Gerard Butler got um, along. Got along. They're not like um, Pringles. Th- which one should pop, man? Just can't stop. I thought that was um, Lay's. Or was that Bet You Can't Just Eat One? That's Bet You, that's Lay's. Bet You okay. Can't Eat Just One. Uh, Glass, which we're getting very, very soon. Uh, Lego Movie 2, uh, Captain Marvel, John Wick 3, Godzilla, Dark Phoenix, Men in Black. Uh, morbidly curious about the Child's Play remake with Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry. Henry. Yeah. Um, the Danny Boyle musical, I love the Beatles. If it is, uh, hopefully it's better than Across the Universe. Uh, God. <laughs> uh, James Mangold's Ford versus Ferrari movie. Um, with now with, thin Christian Bale. Uh, yeah. Um, God, that guy. I don't know how crazy, he Crazy, man. As uh, I'm eating Pringles. Yeah. It Chapter 2, uh, The Hunt, uh, which is... Um, why am I blanking? I wrote it down for a reason. Um I know it was from someone that I... The Hunt 2019. I wrote it down for a reason. Oh, Craig Zobel. 
Um, oh, is this a uh, Blumhouse movie? Yes. Which, uh, why I was uh, interested... Z for Zachariah, um, director Craig Zobel. Yes, I liked Z for Zachariah. Uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, I think... Uh, it was working on it. Actually, on IMDb, it doesn't say that, but it said that on... It's, a, it's basically a mystery project um, right now, because there's not much... On I it. just... Uh, Is it even... Did it, has it shot? Has it... it seems like there's images for it on imdb which is weird <laughs> um unless this is wrong but um the hunt yeah okay uh but i read that damon lindelof not to be was, confused uh, with the mads mickelson movie right exactly um anyways uh that was on there i'm morbidly curious about joker um which i believe someone mentioned in their list uh, uh andrew andrew did yeah i again uh weirdly enough aquaman was sort of fun and uh what dc is trying to do now who knows but uh they're all over the place but it seems like they kind of might be back on the right track of trying to figure out okay we just need to do weird interesting uh, one-offs one-offs um which i liked that aquaman didn't have to tie into anything else or at least um, you know why so serious don't be yeah, serious there you, you go know? like tonally play i'm sure joker will be very serious but or darkly comedic yeah which tonally that makes sense but aquaman doesn't need to be anything more than what it is yeah exactly um the woman in the window which someone mentioned uh mentioned a couple times yeah gemini man ang um, lee's movie with uh will smith versus will smith and i think it was either you or somebody mentioned that it's kind of almost sounds like uh, Logan a little bit where you have a, an assassin or hitman who versus a younger version of yeah, himself. That wasn't is, me, but yeah. Uh, reflecting and contemplating uh, his uh, kills over the years and his guilt. Um, the Goldfinch, because uh, Roger Deakins is shooting it. Yeah, that was um, a popular book a couple years ago and now kind of seems like it's faded out of memory. Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Hell uh, yeah. I'm very curious. DJ about. Caruso. Um, I'm curious. Is it going to be... It's not an anthology, right? Like, it's just one story? Well, because we, we... The one thing I don't think that's on the list is that um, the Scary Stories film is also right, coming yeah. this summer, which is produced by Guillermo del Toro and shot in Toronto. I think that is an anthology uh, film. Are You Afraid of the Dark? I don't know anything... It's going to be more like Goosebumps, maybe? Maybe. Like, but how do you do that? I mean, like... Is there one character that you can bring into Are You Afraid of the Dark that people will really remember? I mean, even, I mean, you had or at least the author Ryan with Gosling to come back. Yeah, yeah. Well, our, well, Gosling was yeah. in both Goosebumps and yeah. Are You Afraid of the Dark, um, or, or Jay Baruchel was yeah. in. Uh, That'd be the, fun. Although he drowned in uh, his. <laughs> Not literally. He's okay. Yeah, but, <laughs> but no, as a child, his the swimming pool one. Do you remember that one? I gotta go back, but yeah, those are those are a blast, man. I, yeah, I love Are You Submitted Afraid of the Dark. for the approval. Was it a big thing in the U.S. too? Yeah, well, Nickelodeon picked it up for the U.S. And it kind of became the counter-programming or their version of uh, Goosebumps because they wanted something to compete against it. But yeah, it was was picked up at least the first few seasons because I also remember popular mechanics for kids reference uh, 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 Alicia Cuthbert was one of the Midnight Society kids for a couple seasons and... um, I can never remember his fucking name, but he's he's a weatherman now. Oh yeah, um, I know exactly. He was on student, Ross something, Ross Hall or yeah, something yeah. like that. And, and I really like him. He was him. on YTV. For yeah, a long he was time, he yeah. was on. Um, Are you afraid of the dark and student bodies? Uh, yeah. God, we got to get into student bodies. <laughs> yeah. For sure. um, but it, but it was interesting because that was a time in like Canadian television where like you know 
America was basically importing that stuff or exporting it, and it's just cheaply made, quick to do, yeah, um, fun, but man. fun. And yeah, so I'm 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 really curious of what that movie will be. Directed by DJ Caruso. Oh yeah, there's something. Uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, again, something I have no idea. But Terminator Six. They're um, gonna say uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood. I have no idea. No, no, one. I know what that will be. But I'm uh, Terminator Six. They just keep trying. You know. Yeah. Um, well, James Cameron endorses this one as well. Uh, yeah, didn't he endorse the last one? But Dressed this one he's t- producing, right. so he's involved. Right. right so. He was just being paid to endorse <laughs> the last few, right? In a Hawaiian shirt. I remember in Terminator Genesis, he was just sitting. He's like, "Yeah, I finally get to see the story that makes sense for these films." And yeah. you know, going back was the way. Can I have my check now? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, with this, I mean, we don't know too much about it, which is kind of interesting, other than Linda uh, Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger are returning again. Um, I'm sure they're going to have to re-explain, you know, Arnie being an old Terminator. Uh, you know, the skin gets old. Like, that was the worst thing and in Genesis. And now they have to do that again. <laughs> but you have Mackenzie Davis as well in the lead. Um, the, in, in terms of the cast list, there's nobody who's playing John Connor, so it kind of makes me wonder how what that storyline is going to be. And then uh, Tim Miller directed the film who did Deadpool. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but I'm still curious. Uh, Charlie's Angels, uh, I think the cast is really great for that. And directed and, by um, Elizabeth Banks, right? Yeah. Um, Kingsman uh, seems like they're doing a prequel next called The Great Game. Which is a uh, World War Two movie? Yes, I believe it takes place in World War Two. The cast um, was announced recently, which is uh, Daniel Bruhl and Ray Fiennes and... Uh, Harrison Dixon from yeah. Beach Rats. Yeah, so uh, I... Again, I, I really like the first Kingsman movie a lot, um, even with some of the juvenile elements that can be in a Mark Millar story and the, and the problematic um, well the second one yeah. is more pro- well the ending of the first one with the anal thing and yeah then, and although then, that i think is just more childish teenage humor juvenile where, james bond where the, the thing that's in the is second one actually is problematic and i don't like it icky uh it's gross uh what but we're other than that is, it's it's actually a fine sequel i think it got kind of shat on otherwise i agree i think it's uh perfectly enjoyable i like the goofiness of that series and and that it 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 doesn't take itself too too seriously but um taron egerton was just too busy making rocket man yeah yeah after he met uh, elton john in the second movie that he uh uh, yeah and then dexter fletcher who directed the rest of bohemian rhapsody went on to do yeah rocket Rocket man Man, which we don't have on here but i actually am curious about that one as well um but yeah i i really like the kingsman series and even with the problematic stuff in the second one i recently there there are movies i can the first kingsman is one that i can kind of put on any time and just watch it's just kind of fun um is matthew vaughn directing that one yeah he's directing this yeah um he's coming back uh but none of the cast is it's all a new cast but then they also said kingsman 3 they're gonna make as well which i'm still like i don't know with this whole disney fox transition thing like i can't possibly see who knows what the fuck they're gonna do with fox right right well it's also i mean look at um you know obviously once upon a time or the deadpool movie right once upon a deadpool yeah um i mean that was kind of testing the water it was testing the waters i mean strategically it was there because fox took out uh, uh alita battle angel but um yeah like it's it showed you that oh i guess we, you know we can make a pg-13 deadpool if 
we have to. But I don't know how you can do that with Kingsman, where part of the selling point is like the raunchy it's James Bond movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even though Bond, you know, as pushes the boundaries, boundaries but, but like, I mean, this is like you know the teenage version of that. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I, I can't see Disney ever approving a scene like there was in the second one yeah. at that music festival. Although but, I chuckle every time I think um, of like Disney is a cure for wellness. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's going to be a, a very weird time. I always thought that Kingsman and Kick-Ass would be the two that they would sell back to Netflix because Netflix purchased the Miller World right. uh, rights to all of the... Which I think is probably going to be um, the thing that replaces their um, Marvel Netflix yeah, stuff. Yeah, I agree. Right? Like, like, I mean, I know there's another season of Punisher in the pipeline. They'll that's cancel up, that when it's... As soon as oh, it's released, yeah. it's, like, canceled. <laughs> yeah, it, which you know is going to happen, but they just aren't saying that now. Um, but I'm surprised that one... Um, like, I, Daredevil was the one that I thought would last the, the longest, longest yeah. and then... Well, Punisher was made the latest, right? Like yeah. it's only its second season, right? And um, uh, I think because of Jessica Jones, I think also has a season coming, which is why it hasn't been canceled yet either. Yeah. Um. So, and those were already in production. So, yeah, I think the Miller World stuff. So, like, if Disney doesn't really have any plans for it, I could see them just being like, "Yeah, we'll sell this back to you for a price." Um. Yeah. Um. But then also because they're competing with them, they might be like fuck you we'll, we'll sell it to universal they'll put this on there yeah they could do that as well right um uh we'll quickly go through this uh last christmas which was mentioned uh, i can't say i'm overly excited but frozen 2 i'm just uh disney it's got to be better like, than yeah. that uh olaf oh my special god that, that was bad played before uh yeah that was bad coco um, god see we couldn't leave because we were at a press screening but i know like it made me feel a little bit better that I hated that so much that people like just like parents that were going to see it. Cause it was like 25 minutes long. It felt longer than that. And I guess just because it was so awful. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. They eventually took it off the screenings of Coco, right? Cause people were complaining so much of being like, why is this so long? And, um, the power of one and Coco's already like not a short movie. It's, just over two hours, I think. Yeah. So that makes Coco now a two and a half hour. Well, also experience. with coming attractions and commercials. And commercials, right? so that adds another thirty-five minutes. Yeah. Well, those um, commercials now, it, it is getting during ridiculous. the holidays. It's really bad. Um, please stop doing that. It's theater chains, like I get, you got to make money, but like there's other just, ways you can do it. Yeah, come on. I'd rather give you more money per ticket than have to sit through that shit, anyways. But not everyone has uh, wants that. But or cares. Uh, Jumanji three. Uh, Jumanji 2 was a surprise, so I guess I'm kind of looking forward to what they'll do. Not that I care that much, but I don't know where else you take that. Um, especially bringing back the cast from the second one just doesn't really make sense to me, but who knows? They need to Um, wait another 10 years. Yeah. Uh, New Mutants, which I don't know if will even actually ever come out, but, um, with that and Dark Phoenix, I have both of that on here. So both X-Men movies. I, which I think will just get dumped next year. They'll just come out, and uh, that'll be the end of that universe. Um, but weird. Well, it's it's like the the Marvel Netflix stuff. It'll just get dumped, and then yeah. they'll cancel it. And exactly, then and start done. start fresh. Uh, the rest, uh, Triple Frontier, which is I think February or March on Netflix or April. February yeah, that's J.C. Chander. Yeah, it originally was supposed to be a Catherine Bigelow movie with like Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks and Christian Bale, and, and now you get uh, Garrett Hedlund <laughs> and Charlie Garrett? Hunnam. Yeah, and Charlie Hunnam, the yeah. same person. Yeah. Have they been in the same room together? I don't know. I don't know. The only person I'm, I feel so bad for Oscar Isaac. 
Right, I know. He's like, um, oh, fuck. Uh, the Lighthouse, uh, The Truth, Antlers. The Truth is the um, Coriata movie, his first English language film with Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke and uh, Juliet Binoche. Uh, Benedetta, which is the Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven Naughty sexy, Nun movie. Sexy Nun movie. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, I, I was telling you about this, that... Um, uh, one of the screenwriters was taken off because it was too sexual. Can't wait, man. So Paul Verhoeven saying that... Too sexual? Too sexual. That means it must have been a porno, man. Uh, anything else I'm missing <laughs> that you're like uh, excited for next year or just in general of next year? I mean, I, I'm kind of intrigued by the idea that there are some big hitter filmmakers, obviously, you know, the Scorseses and the Tarantinos, but... At the same time, it seems like there's a lot of room for either filmmakers doing their making, working on their sophomore efforts or their third film. Like it's still, it feels like it's going to be a young year. Like it's yeah. going to be a year for a lot of. You have the auteurs, but then you also have like. Yeah, for like the up and coming filmmakers, and you know, we'll come across movies that we weren't anticipating or expecting, as you always do. I mean. I'm sure there will be breakout films. I mean, we didn't even mention, you know, A24 has Native Sun opening uh, uh, the Sundance Film Festival. So there will probably be something that will be this year's Mandy or Burning that we just didn't see coming. And, you know, that's how it is. But that's part of the fun of it is the discovery process. And, you know, like what will be those movies and, and you know, like even as stupid as it says, and I posted this on Twitter, but like what will be this year's Den of Thieves where it's a film that we both basically completely write off. Um, but then, you know, Christian Petzold says that it's a great film. So apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't he, even he, see that. And he's very sincere. Yeah. No, no. I know, like I it wasn't like some glib, like I'm just throwing this on there. Like he actually like makes an interesting case for it yeah for me it was like uh, if i'm reflecting on this year because we did our best of 2018 episode which you guys can go listen to which is probably even longer than this one (laughs) um something like vox lux i never had on my radar right um and it ended up in my top 10 um even a quiet place i think well, even eighth grade in the eighth grade and well i mean i loved bo burnham but i wasn't expecting like uh I knew he had something coming, but again, we didn't know much about it, right? And um, right, going into or even year. something like Overlord, right? That kind of like you hear mum, you know, rumors and and rumblings about, but then when you see it, you're like, oh, like this this is something that kind of took me by surprise. Or maybe maybe this year, maybe Terminator will be Halloween, you know, where it it, it finally gets it right, right? You know? After like, so many failed opportunities, yeah. Right? I mean, three, four, and five are all bad. God, yeah, we've had a rough go. What was Terminator? I don't think Terminator was really meant to be a franchise. I mean, the first one was an above-average slasher flick. And then when Cameron came back, he reinvented um, the film and turned it into a great action spectacle. But I think beyond that, it didn't need to have the mythology or the continuity that he was creating or other people were building upon. Um, It just needed to stop there but unfortunately people don't listen we love franchises man as you can tell i'm a sucker too like it again but it took so long to get to three because what terminator 2 is 91 92 2003 yeah and they still fucked it up (laughs) yeah and then they waited until 2009 for terminator salvation and which i think that's probably the 
the best <laughs> of those three. You, it's almost like you bit into a lemon or yeah, something like that. I was like, like, that, like I, I'm try, I don't know reaction. whether I should bite my tongue, but I think that's the best of those High three. High praise for Mick At least G's. you have Christian Bale and, like... People trying, I guess. <laughs> I like Mick you have G. Christ, <laughs> you have Christian Bale and uh, yeah. I mean Bryce Dallas Howard's in. I like Bryce Dallas Howard, but I don't consider. I don't her, remember um, it at all. Common is I in it. Terry Crews was in it, but he got cut out of the movie. He gets killed. He plays Common's brother. Sick. Um, God, I should rewatch that. I haven't rewatched. I I remember seeing that in. Oh, Sam Worthington. Peterborough. As well. I was in Peterborough working on that TV show I did called I Could Do That with my uncle Mark Forrester uh, for Discovery Channel. And uh, I went to the Guelph uh, Galaxy Theater. You know, Galaxy Theaters now owned by Cineplex. Yeah. Um, in documentaries as well, I just want to quickly mention that. Right. Like, Is there you anything? Don't, you, yeah. you don't, like, necessarily. Those just kind of show up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Well hot dogs will will probably do Well like even a, even Sundance you'll hear it like I mean won't you be my neighbor started there and, and has since kinda carried its way. Carried its way, but then you pick up other stuff as well that that plays throughout the year, like you said, hot dogs and even Sundance and then you find things that kinda you weren't expecting. And yeah. that's kinda how it goes sometimes. For sure. And sometimes it's best to expect the unexpected. I'm with you, sorry, I'm just uh I was logging back into my computer because we've been going so long that it logged us out. I hope everything still works when this happens. If not, you're going to get a very interesting uh, last 20 minutes. Um, God damn it. I keep vamping. What else? Anything storyline-wise that you're curious about next year as we wrap up? Um, I guess maybe just conclusions to certain things. It feels like with you know Star Wars, it's... Oh my God, we've been going for two and a half hours. Oh, wow. It's almost as long as uh, uh, any major film this year that we've we, or last year that we've seen. Um, yeah, but with Star Wars and Avengers, right? Yeah, and, like and it, well, especially for Disney properties as well. Like, and and just Disney this year, like it, it's new terrain for the studio system. In that, are we going to get this sort of conglomerate situation Monopoly. where Monopoly, where it's just overtake like disney just has a stranglehold they could have the top 10 highest grossing movies next year when you have things like aladdin and lion king and toy story 4 and frozen 2 and avengers and star wars and (laughs) i'm sure i'm missing yeah like where's the wiggle room for anything else to kind of and you have the fox deal going through next year and their streaming service launching so like like it makes me now hope that like jordan peele's us makes triple what we're thinking <laughs> just so universal you know? yeah or just another studio yeah. like like has a filmmaker with a voice to champion something i know? think us will make a ton of money maybe. i hope so yeah yeah i'm excited man it's always i mean i don't know the quality of the film yet but you just root for right like of Jordan course Peele. yeah yeah and even based on that trailer it's gonna make a hundred million dollars opening weekend um dude uh it's been a great first year of the podcast i know we've only been doing this since september but it's still significant or august actually right oh, yeah august is when we yeah started. which is crazy um but we've been doing the i mean even when we were doing I movie know. night it's you know like we're not strangers to the podcast no i just think it's cool that we're going into a, a year fresh and um many festivals coming up many films coming up um and we'll continue to keep doing this uh hopefully weekly next year um yeah we, we tried we've only missed a week here and there for different holidays and different things but um we'll be around all 2019 reviewing all these movies that we just talked about and more um how many movies does the rock have coming out this year yeah, we'll... jumanji 3 fighting with my family 
Right. We'll review uh, them all. We will. It's the rock cast. Uh, that's going to be our new thing. Just uh, remember when we did all Or these. it'll just be called Dwayne. So we did the Rocky course. movies. Now we'll do the rock movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you guys like this, uh, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your podcast service is. That really helps us out. Share us with your friends. Uh, like, comment. All that crap that people are supposed to Collect say at the end of uh, at the end of a podcast. Uh, this has been the sixteenth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, each and every week, you can get a new episode uh, Monday, Tuesdays, <laughs> nine a.m. Usually, usually, um, depending, but depending on, on our holidays, s- or, schedules, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, if you like this, we also have another podcast called the Untitled Movie Reviews, where it is much much shorter than this, where Eric and I get together and review a new release film, whether that's on streaming service in theaters or upcoming um please subscribe to that as well um if you want to see more of my work you can find it at uh cineplex.com as well as the entitled movie podcast.com and you can find all of my ramblings whether it's about movies or the toronto maple leafs or pringles at matt Roebeck on twitter and instagram as well right and instagram i just posted a cool photo of me and eric you should go like that yes if you made it this far you're probably apparently i wet the bed (laughs) um yes uh you can find more of my work on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and i too am on twitter uh at em6211 and instagram at em6211 and uh my ramblings are usually just movie based cool happy new year everyone uh we'll be back next week See ya! 2019, baby! New year, new gear.